2: In three, two, one.
4: The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible.
2: Don't just hand over this life
5: Educate yourself. I welcome anything that will help to protect the children forever. The
2: same spiel we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96.
4: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This
4: is The Opinion Line with people PJ Coogan
2: on Corks 96
6: FM. A short week upon us now, and then a lovely long weekend. And I can tell you the forecast. For the weekend, Alan O'Reilly of Carla Weather. Uh, very optimistic, and Alan is generally right when he makes a prediction like this. He is very optimistic about the holiday weekend uh, weather, particularly uh, St. Patrick's Day and Friday. Could be very, very nice days by, by all accounts at this stage. We look forward to that. 0818969696. 96 96. Like I said, short week with a lot to do in three days, including going first straight to the Polish-Ukrainian border to pick up with uh, Katrina Toumi. Katrina, how are you doing?
7: We're good. We're good, PJ. Good. But, you know, we're, we're, we're better than what we were at the start because with the long drive, you know, you get so tired and then everywhere we went, like, I had to, you, you drive long distances to get there. Yeah. So, yeah, we're okay. Good. Yeah, we're I, okay, no, I was no,
6: talking page. to Christy on Friday. Yeah. And then I heard him talking to my friend Gareth on Saturday, on Gareth's programme, and it's going well for you. Just the delays and, I suppose, some okay, of the terrible things you know, that you're seeing.
7: That, yeah, the, the delay happened. We were down at um, Medica and we had to queue up. There's a queue for people to get you know, up to the border and into no man's land. And the Polish were having no problem with the Ukrainians going over it, obviously, because they would have had all their paperwork. Uh, and stuff, and I think what happened was there was the threat of an attack on Lviv, and yeah. they didn't want to, anybody that wasn't Polish or Ukraine, they didn't want to deal with them, because um, it was difficult and taking up too much time, so they doubled up on their um, troops and police that were down at the border, so they were in the midst of all of that, when kind of week came. Yeah. So they did eventually explain to us that... It was for more or less our safety because yeah. we wouldn't know the run of the land than what it was for um, anybody else's safety, and you know we we agreed with them. Mm. We it took us a while for to understand everything because like the lads definitely had no English, and between the broken bits here and there, we just said like that they were trying to help us mm. and to try and keep us safe. So we did do we did go back, you know, and um, we said we'd regroup, which we did and it was, that was kind of a bit, you know, you'd be kind of a bit tired at that, but mm-hmm. we went back and we said, look, it's all about safety we have to keep ourselves safe, because if we don't there's no point in trying to keep anybody else safe. D- so, diplomacy. Um, yeah. We did, and we rested up and we made alternative plans then for the following day so the lads went back to, they picked up three Polish guys and they went back to Medica, and we went to Legiisk, down to the Redemptorist. Right. And we were all very kind of lucky; everything went smoothly for us. The lads up in um, Medica had to wait for hours and hours and hours again and end, uh, because that's just the way it is. is, are accused to get in there, mm-hmm. and it's a slow process. And oh, okay. um, we um, then uh, we went down to the, Redem- the Redemptorist in Legiisk and totally organised, they were waiting for us That sandwiches ready and lemonade for us. Good. You mm. know, cold and the whole last stuff. And then they were kind of so... They couldn't express yeah. how grateful they were and these were kind of like Polish people and people that have come in to volunteer from other countries. Yeah. And they were there and then the Ukrainian... The, the, the Arctic was there and there was a Ukrainian driver there to take it back into Ukraine and he's just a small guy, like, from the back here, and he looked like a 10-year-old, you know, but he was typical kind of, you know, Eastern European looking, and, and he just turned around, and he just said like that. He can't believe, like, Irlandia, and he kept on saying, mm. at the best, you know, and he was crying, and just telling us how much it means to them, which yeah. was a bit emotional for us too I'm as sure well. it was, Katrina. Were, yeah. y- you've managed
6: so. to deliver all the stuff then. The vans are empty. So what's the we next did. plan?
7: Yeah, and what we did then was we went to the local supermarkets and we filled up with supplies. There's a railway station in Tarnov, And what's happening when the people that are, the refugees are coming up on the trains, they're coming off and then they're sleeping upstairs in the, the train station. And then there's a group there that are totally organized. Complete, and when I say organized, like everything is really superly organized to kind of make it wait for these people and the soldiers are lift. like we saw one woman come off the train and uh, she had her child in her arms yeah. and a lot of them I, I'll tell you about that in a minute like she kind of just felt faint like and you could see her leaning up against and a soldier picked her up and her child in her arms and lifted her down the steps and up the steps and a you know big soldier and you could see the tears in his eyes yeah. and he he was like saying to her it's okay it's okay in his own language but she. Yeah. You'd know what he was saying, like, and they were comforting the soldiers, were comforting all the the women and children and doing their best to show them that they were safe, they were okay, that they would be looked after. Mm -hmm. And to see all these men in their uniforms, like police uniforms and soldiers' uniforms, and um, to to see all that, like, it was just something else. You just Mm -hmm. couldn't believe it. And for us, like, we were totally emotional by looking at all these men, like, crying and soothing and comforting because to look at them in their uniforms, they look like people, that you wouldn't, you know yeah, I mean, would big, big tough to lads like this, and there they are
6: with tears in their eyes it's, it's pure yeah, raw humanity is, isn't it, Katrina?
7: It's, it's very very, very raw and, yeah, and um, if you go up yeah. to Medica which is the border and when the people are walking over at the border the amount of women and children you just could not tell uh, uh, it's, it's an we were just there, like in total shock. But most of the women, like, had were carrying the children in their hands, and that was because, and their babies, that was because there was no room for their buggies or prams, oh. and the transport, so they had to carry them. So the women were falling down with exhaustion, with the children in their arms. The, the, the look on their faces was—it was enough. They were just. Shock, and shock, had they had to
6: leave their buggies after them, them. <laughs> Katrina? They... They,
7: had, they had to leave them. We, they had to leave them after them. They were all just carrying... And, see, they would have had a bag as well. And they only all had maybe one bag or two bags, you know, but very little stuff with them, like the clothes on their backs. And you see them, they might have one child by the side of them and the, the other child in their, their hand. But when, I saw a man, and, uh, and the soldiers have a well-organised tool to bring them up and straight onto the bus so that kind of nothing goes wrong, they don't get lost. And there's like a big protection around them, like, you know, a big ring kind of to to sort them and keep them safe. But I see a man going up with a pram and he pulling a woman out at the end of the queue with a baby shed in her arms and put the baby into the pram and her other child up on top of it and her bag and he pushed the pram up to the bus to get her on it faster because she was struggling trying to hold her two right. children, you know. And then he went back up on an empty pram and he, he did the same and he was doing that the whole time, going down, taking the the, the the children, you know, put them into the pram to push them up out of the mother's arms because the mothers had had their, child's, their children in their arms for, for hours and hours right. and hours on end. Yeah, yes. so that was very difficult to see that. But... I, Talk about being practical, as I said, like they had a down to tea. they just covered every angle. And yeah. then there's like a whole big tented village there of food, of products, sanitary products. They had every station you could possibly have, and people from all over the world ha- had that sorted, you know, to yeah. first aid, to mail. Dutch were there. The, the hot food and stuff like that they could eat. But they were going along the lines of the queues of the people handed out the food because they were starving. Yeah. And they were you could see them eating up the food just to get some food into them.
6: I'm just reading in the paper this morning, um, Katrina, the story of that bomb that was dropped uh, on the military base. Now, that was only down the road yeah. from you guys.
7: 16 kilometres.
6: Yeah. Yeah,
7: and again, like that kind of sixteen kilometres isn't very far. That's as that's Carthage
6: line, Katrina. That's about as much as that all. is. Yeah,
7: yeah. And all, that's all, and and uh, it it drove terror into everybody like around that area. All the Polish are very worried. We were lucky that we had some Polish friends in, in um, Poland. That came to help us and to make, like, all doing stuff much easier. To guide us to places so that it would all go smooth, and it did. And then they helped us unload, they helped us pack, and they did everything that we needed to do. And as I said, when this train station, when we shop, shopped to bring the stuff up there, just to see the people getting off the trains and the bewilderment was just—they mm. didn't know where, you know, they didn't know what was happening to them. And did did the, the bomb attack tears, panic people? I mean, did like it's only down it the road? Them. Yeah. It frightened them, and it frightened all the Polish people that, that live near that area saying, like, where will the next one be? Will it be in Poland? Will it So, yeah, they're all doubling up on their own security as well from the people that we were speaking to. They're very, very worried about it, because yeah. you know if that happens, you know what happens to the the, whole, the rest of us then as well. Yeah. So there's genuine fear there, and you know, even, you know, we went when we went into the shop, there the a nice preacher, we went into the supermarket, and We were driving around, uh, moving around with all the big trolleys, and we were putting loads and loads of the stuff that they needed into the trolleys and filling them up. And um, you know, there was a couple of girls working in the in the supermarket, and they they asked Tom, "What were we doing?" And and Tom told them, and they have discount cards, and they all went up. And instead of us paying like two thousand, we paid like one thousand three hundred because of all their discounts, and they just gave it later because. They said, you know, they wanted to help too, and that was lovely, yeah. uh, you, you know. And then the other lads went back and they shopped as well, and we delivered it. But they're are they're, um, they're really in need and struggling to. You know, i worried that if food runs out, what will happen? Like yeah, to, yeah. to the to the people because the supermarkets are being kind of cleaned out um, w- with food and stuff. Oh. What, what well, are your um,
6: plans now, Katrina? You, you've, you've, you've offloaded your stuff, so...
7: We have, and we shopped, and we're going to do another, another shop. Okay. And then come back. And um, what we're going to do then is uh, regroup and come back. We've this turned out to be a great fact-finding mission for us. We now have a simpler way of doing things and a more effective way of doing things. We've built up the connections. So this time... Like when we go back, it'll be it'll be easier because we actually know what we're doing and we people to, go to help us and to do it all with us. So that should make um, a, a huge difference. I remember everything. when I was talking
6: and to you before you went, you were you were saying that you were you were going. You you, you had no idea what lay ahead of you. Are you glad you no. went now?
7: Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I feel I can come back and give any information anybody wants about going out there. What way to do it, and and um, what's easier and simpler and less tasking on the mind and on the body, do you know? Because we did, we did a seventeen and a half hour drive at one stage, which was grueling on all of us, mm-hmm. and um, that was tough. Like we we were eighteen hours, like we had to get down to Lair eighteen hours crossing to Cherbourg, then we had to drive through France. We went into a place for a couple of hours in Belgium. And then seventeen and a half hours of a drive the following day, which nearly killed us. You know, so like you're talking um, about um, eliminating that, we ha- we kind of have a way now. We think good. of eliminating that, good, and good, good. Uh, that would be great for anybody else going forward as well. So, we so when are you back in
6: car hopefully, hopefully for... Katrina, for this this round? Ho- at least
7: hopefully we hopefully we're back Wednesday right. because we have to go back the same way we came. Right, so. <laughs> But um, that's that's okay too, and I I will have to say everybody here couldn't be any better to us, nicer to us, protecting us, looking after us, caring for us, and telling us how great Ireland is. And even when we were down in Lejais um, with the Redemptorists, there was a van there waiting for to talk to us, and they were Belgium and one guy, like they speak French, and Iman man was speaking in French to us and trying to explain, and then he said, we love Erlandy, we love what they do, we love the, the, the kindness that's in them. And then he he showed me a collar and he said, "I have an Irish Wolfhound named Elsie." And I said, "That's <laughs> funny because I I have a French Bulldog." <laughs> <laughs> and the whole face <laughs> The know, they couldn't stop. Like we were oh, breaking stop. our faces. So that kind of lifted all our spirits, like and yeah. uh, like that. We we've met some people that have um, tore at our heartstrings, you know, and and we've met some people that have given us, uh, you know. I suppose a bit of oomph, like just to go on yeah. and um, you know, and to thank us.
6: Knowing you as I do, Katrina, I think there's probably been one or two people you've met in the last few days that you yourself just wanted to pick them up and bring them home.
7: You know, that's and that's what the lads were afraid of. You know, they were saying she's going to want to do this and whatever, but we have to be realistic. We we have to look at people. Uh, you know. They, like we were to ring a family last night to ask them would they take a, a cat for somebody who they can't bring to Ireland, and the, it's a Polish family and yeah. they've been helping us, Jan and Barbara, and we were at their house and they have cats, and I rang, I rang them, and she answered me, yes, we will take a Ukrainian, a refugee Ukrainian cat, so okay, yeah. because funny. the cat has to be I vaccinated had, at 21 yeah. days and you know.
6: I had a postcard from. Valerie, you don't get too many postcards these days, as you know, but one of those lovely ones with um, Adam King's virtual hug from Valerie, she wrote to the program and she was saying, what's happening to all the animals? And they're doing so, they're they're trying so hard to bring their dogs and their cats and their pets with them, aren't they? Oh, just at the time I was asking her about that. All right. All right. We'll see if we can get her back, but uh, yeah, that no. Yeah, thank you to to Valerie for that. She's there, which are there. Fiona, if you can grab it, Valerie Foley sent me a lovely postcard, one of the Adam King "Hug for You" postcards, and she said, "Well done, tonight Six Man, for all the the coverage regarding the Ukrainian crisis. It's so upsetting to see it. Poor animals are also in a very bad way. They too have mouths and bellies to feed. I hope you can find out from me. There is a good response of donations of pet food, etc., to go to Ukraine." We all know about the love and loyalty that dogs show us. We need to show them them the same in return. Well, as you can hear there from Katrina, so many people... Oh, she's back, she's back. back. I was trying to say, Katrina, people are trying to get their dogs and cats out with them, aren't they?
7: They are, and they're bringing them out, and we've even seen soldiers lifting their pets for them, but when the trains stop at any station... There's people waiting at the train stations to load the trains with water, with sandwiches, with yogurts, fresh fruit, and all that. So, everything along the way, it's not that you go from one place to another. They, they, they have it all sorted all the way along, and there's people on board the trains taking in the stuff, walking down, then handing it the out to people. And when they get to the train stations, there's stations set up for their pets. There's dog food, water. There's cat food. There's everything. So, it's really, really really set up well, and you couldn't, like, to be impressed by it is not right to say, like, I suppose during a war, but it's terrifically uh, well thought out and well done, you know.
6: Well, it's that, yeah. that, brilliant to see. Listen, you get safe home, all right, and look after yourself on the way, and all the crew, and Christy and everybody else was there doing tremendous work. And, in fact, Katrina and the Penny Dinners crew were among the people honoured on Friday night at the Pride of Cork Award and I think that's one of the reasons why we would call them the Pride of Cork, Cork Humanitarian Aid Ireland led by Katrina and Christy uh, the vans are empty now, they've done a load of shopping and brought out all the stuff that was donated on their way back uh, hopefully later today and they will be drawn up, going back out again once they're loaded up again incredible eyewitness description from Katrina there of what they've seen over the last few days. 0818 96 96 96.
4: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM
2: With the Cork City Marathon Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie
4: Cork's 96FM wants to send you and a friend to see an Irish world champion make history.
2: Casey Taylor versus Amanda Serrano in New York will be the biggest women's boxing match of all time.
4: And you could be there. It's just
8: a TKO.
4: Listen weekdays at 2 15, and 515. To hear the knockout hits. The knockout hits.
2: When you have all three, text or WhatsApp, the big drive home for your chance to qualify.
4: Flights, accommodation, spending money, and tickets to Taylor versus Serrano on April 30th in New York. It's just a TKO. Yeah.
2: With No DC Cars Blackpool. Put your trust in their award winning after sales team with a sco service at
4: nulldc.com. Listen and win weekdays only on Corks 96
6: FM. Jennifer, you put a big post up on Facebook over the weekend. I think the reality of having your own young lad uh, with diabetes and you have to manage his diabetes so carefully it brought it home to you what it must be like to have a child with diabetes in the middle of a war. Good morning to you.
9: Morning, PG. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, I suppose it's just a, a small example was we went to Dublin this weekend for a competition on Sunday for Taekwondo for my eldest son. And when we were packing the car on Saturday, we were packing backups of meters and backup of insulin and backup of everything just in case there was anything. And that was just for an overnight stay.
8: Yeah.
9: So then the reality of anyone in the Ukraine with diabetes having to pack up and leave their home and try to bring what they need with them, not knowing when they're going to get supplies again or where they're going to get supplies again. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking and it's just, I suppose the reality of it is that we know what can happen when we don't have those supplies. Yeah. But we're, we've never been in that situation because we always have everything we need in his bag. What age so is it's, it's, it's always Oh, in a six. So he's six, but he was diagnosed when he was two and a half. Right. So, um, and, and yeah, his but diabetes, he's a he's diabetes, diabetes. His very
6: unstable. Is this, or can it be?
9: Yeah, it's suppose he, he's type one diabetic. So I suppose it's, it's, it's never really, really stable as such. It's, it's constantly monitoring it and constantly watching it. Right. Um, I mean, even Dublin Zoo now at the weekend, walking around the zoo, we were constantly having to give him snacks just to keep his bloods up because of the activity was affecting his blood. I but see. then that evening, we see the rebound, so we see him going high at night, and then you're having to manage that. And it's it's constant watching and it's constant monitoring. Um, but he is, he's a, he's a great little fellow. He just takes it all in his stride. And I suppose we're lucky in a sense that he was two and a half when he was diagnosed. Mm. So he doesn't really know any different. Yeah. You know, he, he grew up with this and its it's normal to him. Whereas I think for older kids, it's, it's a lot more to, to take on board for old, older kids.
6: Sure. I think you're envisaging yourself, are you, Jennifer, in the position of a mother of a six and a half year old with an unstable condition, trying to walk mm-hmm. or get themselves to a border or get themselves to a train station. You're putting yourself in yeah. that parent's position and,
9: and it's agonizing. It is. It it really is. I mean, it's 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 heartbreaking. Even just seeing seeing the pictures and the news and and watching everything and and be, like you say, putting yourself in those parents' position and having to think about that and having to think how you're going to keep your child safe and how you're going to keep them healthy. And it, it is really heartbreaking. I mean, again, another small example. Oshin was at a party two weeks ago, and we were there, and his bloods started dropping really, really fast. And he was inside in the play place, and it only took me about five minutes to find him. But even in that five minutes, he was still dropping. and I could feel the panic building in me trying to find him in those five minutes. How did you know he was so dropping
6: when you he wasn't with? You.
9: He has he has a little monitor on his har- on his arm that's connected just under the skin okay. and that talks to his phone, and his phone talks to my phone, and my phone talks to my watch.
8: Wow. so everything is,
9: everything is connected. So the technology is fantastic. That you can you can see everything that's happening in real time. So it gives a reading every five minutes. So even at at school now, I can see his blood at school. Um, so the, the technology is amazing. yeah. yeah. So it's it's super being able to see that. But again, it's it's just
6: again you're trying to think of a woman. Another thing to watch. <laughs> yeah, are yeah. You sure. But that's yeah. that's incredible. So he's in a play place, and his sugar mm-hmm. starts to go off, and your phone yeah. your phone beeps now. That's incredible, and you've got all he needs, whether he needs it to come down or he needs it to go. Mm-hmm. You could sort out. but you're, you're thinking exactly. of a mom mm-hmm. in Lviv waiting on a train. Yeah.
9: yeah, exactly. And I mean, like we were lucky that he was dropping so fast, but I had everything I needed right beside me at hand. So even though it was frightening and it was scary, mm-hmm. I knew what to do and I knew that I had everything I needed to do it. And when Whereas he starts to drop, what do, to do? Mm-hmm. what do you have to
6: so do? What do you have to do? So when
9: he starts to drop... He needs to sit down, which isn't an easy an easy feat when he's in a play place and wants to go back to all his friends. But he needs to sit down for a few minutes and we give him sugar. Um, so at the party, he had jelly babies in the bag. So he had a few jelly babies. And 10 minutes later, his blood's back up and off. He went in playing again. Nice. So it, it's, it's very easy to, I suppose, to manage in those situations when you have what you need. Yeah. But for those poor mothers and, and people, like you say, waiting at a train station who are trying to ration things as is and then having to, to treat a child who's gone into hypo and has low blood sugar yeah. and trying to find what they need. It's, it is utterly heartbreaking. It doesn't bear thinking about
6: that, And that was what prompted you, wasn't it, to try to get together a collection specifically of medics, medical supplies for our diabetics to get out to Ukraine?
9: Yeah, exactly. So I suppose it was just the diabetes supplies, but what we were looking at for, at first, so like that meters, test strips, um, Monitors anything that people had that wouldn't be used because what happens with diabetes, I suppose the technology improves, and then you're left with your old supplies that are just sitting in a press gathering dust. And like I open the press and I see all the things that are there that are going to waste that aren't being used. And there's obviously a lot of people would be in a similar situation. So that was what we were looking for first. And then Ashin said to me, he said, well, when I go in sco- when I go low in school, Linda, who's his s a, gives me jellies so maybe we could give them some jellies and I said oh that's that's a very good idea so I put out a call on the WhatsApp groups that I'm in for people to drop over packs of jellies if they were doing their weekly shop and I mean the response has been amazing I mean people are people are fantastic mm. um, and he it just kind of went went from there really and we've Andrew at Repair uh, Repair IT in Douglas in Middleton offered two collection points at his stores so they've been filling boxes for him and it's, it's just been fantastic.
6: Brilliant. So you've got a collection. And how are you going to get it there, do you think, Jennifer?
9: Yeah, so it was the first contact we had fell through. So there was, a, there was one shipment went last week, but they're not doing another shipment. But I've actually gotten in touch with my brother-in-law who works with Paddy Wagon, and they are sending out a number of buses on the 22nd. So we're hoping they have one bus specifically for medical supplies. Right. So we'll get the supplies onto that bus.
6: So you're looking to get, I have a list here that you put on Facebook. Insulin, blood test meters, Mm -hmm. test strips, pens, needles, glucose, tablets, bags of jellies, glucogels, emergency, glucogen, I guess. If you need it, you know what it is. Libris, what are they, L-I-B-R-E-S?
9: Yeah, so the Libra again, it's, it's just another monitor that goes onto your arm or your leg and it's it's similar to what O'Sheen has I see. in that it gives the reasons for the blood.
6: And, and I I know the lads at Repair IT in Douglas, they're great fellas uh, and they've yeah. got they've got another branch in Middle. and they are still collecting, are they?
9: Yeah, so Andrew's actually going to call over with the boxes that they've collected this evening. So if anybody does want to drop anything in today, he'll, he'll take them today and drop them over to us this evening.
6: Very good. Jennifer, listen, thanks very much for... Telling us about that and uh, best of health t- to Oshin. The technology is fascinating, but imagine being a mom or a dad. Uh, well, dads are gone back to fighting the war. Imagine being a mom, trying to get to the border, trying to get to safety. And your little fella or little daughter is unstable. Diabetics can be very unstable, as she explained with Oshin. Imagine the stress of that. She doesn't bear thinking about does it? Oh, 0818... Ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. Anything medical, anything to do with diabetes. Any, like she said, if you have old meds or old stuff in drawers that you don't use anymore, because the technology has changed so much. Or if you just want, just want to run into the shop or into Tesco's and buy a load of jellies, they're dirt cheap inside like any of the shops. Buy a load of jellies and fire them over to the lads at Repair It in Douglas or in Tatton House in Middleton. Oh, eight one eight ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. Tom was on to say that in Gerald Griffin Street. At the weekend, a load of cars had their mirrors ripped off by vandals. Loads of broken glass on the pavement Saturday night into Sunday morning. That happened. And on Katrina, over in Ukraine, Kate says, we'd be congratulating ourselves over doing 10,000 steps, but these people are walking hundreds of miles. Think of that. Congratulations to Katrina and to all involved. If you ever think a bit of kindness doesn't change the world, then think back to Katrina and her seeing her father doing a kind deed and what it led to, it changed Cork. That's a brilliant caller. Katrina, And on my own podcast a little while back when Katrina was a guest, she, she said to me how it started. And literally, it was watching her dad do nice things. Her dad was in the army. Watching her dad do nice things for people. That's what started Katrina down this road. 0818... 96, 96, 96. And there's plenty of kindness out there. Al wants to thank the gentleman who paid for his shopping on Saturday in Value Consale. Al had forgotten his bank card. Wouldn't give his name. Wouldn't give his contact details. Just sorted it there and then. Such a good Samaritan. 0818 96 96 96.
4: Can we just talk? Opinion line on Corks 96 FM
2: with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The
4: takeover
2: on Corks 96 FM. Weeknights from seven on the big drive home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up.
4: What we play with
2: Cork Dental Care's One Day Invisalign event, Saturday, March 26. Looking for the perfect smile? See CorkDentalCare.com for more. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories.
6: Taoiseach's been active over the weekend. He spent the weekend in the UK. Uh, He was on Match on Saturday and uh, he was on BBC yesterday morning and a lot of people were... uh, bigging him up for this particular comment, you have to say fair play to the man.
2: You in Ireland have welcomed already something like two and a half thousand Ukrainians so far. Have you conducted security checks on them?
10: We've had about 5,500 five now, and a half thousand. Five and a half thousand into Ireland um, at this stage. Uh, no, we're, we're, you know we will have we will monitor and so on. But no, our, our primary impulse. Is to assist those fleeing
5: war.
6: Our primary impulse is to assist those fleeing war, and then he announces that there's there's a four billion euro COVID fund, which can be raided to help people settle here. Um, There's about three billion of it left. Uh, Paul Hosford, political correspondent of the Examiner. Paul, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are things? Good. Tell us about this money. Where, where, Where did it come from, and is it just sitting in a bank account to be used?
11: Yeah, well, it, it was €4 billion Euro that was set aside in last October's budget. It was set aside for COVID contingencies, what the government was looking at at the time. If you remember back in in October, we were kind of, hoping to to see the end of COVID but there was still the acceptance that some support would would be needed. Now, if you look at uh, the the latest figures from the pandemic on unemployment payment, there's still about 15,000 people on that. Uh, Still a lot of companies signed up to the uh, Enhanced Wage or the Employers Wage Subsidy Scheme. That's due to end at the end of this month. so there, there, there is money in a pot there to be used. Thankfully, we haven't gone back into any kind of lockdown or restrictions this year. And so that money uh, will kind of, you know, it, it will be, it will need to be reassigned anyway. And what the Taoiseach indicated yesterday in London was that, you know, you might see that part of it, all or part of it reallocated towards helping, you know, for the cost of, of meeting this humanitarian crisis because, you know, we haven't really felt it in the in the first twenty days. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously there are, there have been costs. We haven't, but the I suppose the major scale of this, we're up to about six thousand, just over six thousand people have arrived in the country. That's going to grow at about six to eight hundred a day. But at a certain point, you're going to run out of the, the the likes of hotel rooms and, and temporary accommodations. And, and look, there's there's twenty thousand offers of, of accommodation have been made between the the, the Red Cross and other NGOs, but how many of those actually come true? So, you know, if you think that the Red Cross will have to go out and examine all of these offers and try and match families with them, a lot of places just won't be suitable. They they might not be close enough to, to links, or or you know, they, they might not be the right size, or or, or the you know, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, so, once all of those start running out, we're going to have to get to a point where we create additional capacity, and and you know, the the soundings within government have been kind of clear that people fleeing the war in ukraine won't won't be put into into the likes of direct provision centers uh, so they will have to go somewhere uh, and mm. that that will have to be paid for uh, one of the things that's been talked about is modular housing
6: yeah. um, i read there the weekend there's a company in carlo that claimed they can effectively build a modular site in a matter of a month
11: yeah and and th- this is one of the things i think i think the tarnished is kind of fairly cold on that last week, Leo Franker said that look if, if modular housing was that quick, we'd have done it to, to solve the housing crisis. Um but there are there are temporary solutions that can be done in in, in a matter of weeks. Um you know, you're probably talking a month or two for, for some of them. But again, they will have to be paid for, they'll have to be cited on, on land that's already owned by the state. And I suppose that's one one thing that we do, do know that that the state owns a lot of land, but I think the the big question or the big concern within government is is that one that these <clears throat> excuse me that these facilities will become more than temporary, um that they would be used long term, and that's something that nobody wants. And the other is that you know are you essentially creating mini ghettos for people who are who are fleeing a humanitarian crisis, and and you have to avoid that, and you have to balance up all of the the needs um, that they have, you know, because. You know, the the people who are coming here will will need, you know, a, a lot of support because no, they're no, no. No. in that, the UK. They're they they talking have...
6: about I see Paul. In the UK, they're talking about giving a family who takes in a Ukrainian refugee three hundred and fifty pounds a month. I mean, is there is there talk of that? Could could end up with someone who gets who's good enough to take in a family or a individual into their home? Could they get paid for that?
11: there hasn't really been much discussion about something like that in ireland and i think i think it probably speaks to ireland irish people's uh, inbuilt sense of charity yeah. and inbuilt sense of sense of humanity there was no inducement needed for irish people to, to kind of make 20,000 pledges or or to give in the numbers that we have in in terms of financial and and I suppose goods donations. So there hasn't really—it's one of those things. Um, you know, you talk we talked about it. We it, not to bring up COVID again, but if if you go back to COVID, a lot of countries were talking about mandates for for vaccines and and yeah. you know fines for people who who didn't do X, Y, or Z. And Irish people didn't really need any of those things. We you know generally just got on with it and kind of had the 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 sense to kind of to do. The, the right thing or, or yeah. to do what was perceived as the right thing. And, and with this case, the, that's kind of been the, the overriding. And, and Taoiseach said it yesterday, you know, you, the humanitarian concern, is, it is trumps all. Paramount.
6: He was also commenting, Paul, wasn't he, about the reality that we are heading into becoming, for the time being at least, a war economy and that prices are inevitably going to go up. Along, across a lot of sectors, and I think he kind of gently telling us: look, the government can't step in with everything here. We stepped in once with the petrol. We, we can't step in with everything, so we're going to have to brace ourselves for things becoming very expensive.
11: Yeah, and I think I think that that is a, a point that you know nobody in, in government really wants to make out loud, but it's definitely accepted across the board. Is there's, there's, a, there's a limit to what the government can do? And you know, if you look at, at somewhere like Ukraine. It's the largest grain exporter in yeah. Europe. It's it, it's known as the breadbasket of Europe. The knock-on effects of it not planting grain and not exporting grain could be massive uh, across the world. Um, one of the things that 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 some people point out is that. The largest importer of bread in the world is Egypt and one of the main causes of the Arab Spring was high bread prices uh, back in 2011 uh, and you kind of wonder, will that have a knock-on effect in, kind of, in North Africa? You know, mm. Will we have to pay more at, at petrol pumps? Uh, bakers are already warning that, that bread prices will probably go up and if bread prices go up in supermarkets you can be guaranteed that other prices will go up alongside them and those knock on effects are still to be seen and, and and this is the thing we're only 20 days into yes. this war uh, yes. and there's and, 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 there's, a, there's a lot more to come and th- it's one of the things one of the reasons that everyone is really keen that this not become a long drawn out yeah. conflict that that you know that goes on for for months and months because the knock on effects worldwide on prices and on stability and on you know the with the number of people fleeing there's an interesting uh, graph that was kind of doing the rounds that shows you the number of people that f- that fled Syria over the last yeah. 10 years uh, and the Ukraine yeah, line on the graph goes days, up,
6: yeah. Absolutely. Know. All right, Paul, so we'll catch up again. Thank you very much for that. Paul Hosford of The Examiner. Uh, Three billion there from the COVID provisions plus the fact that the Taoiseach is saying, "Let's we're heading into a war economy. We can't intervene on everything. Things are going to get... Expensive Unfortunately Jennifer was on to me a while ago Talking about uh, supplies Particularly supplies for kids with diabetes And trying to get them together to go to Ukraine Uh, Stephen was listening Stephen, good morning Stephen, what? Hi, how are you? Are you well? Yes, I'm very good, sir Your company is Neon Diagnostics And you want to try to help
5: yeah, well, I, I'm on the way to Dublin there, and uh, I just heard it, heard that lady on the radio. And, you know, look, we're all trying to do our bit, so we'd, we'd love to try and do something for them if we can. We specialize in uh, test strips in Ireland, blood glucose test strips, and we specialize in blood glucose meters as well. Right. So we supply them to all the GPs and the pharmacies and the patients around the country. So we'd love to donate um, some meters and some free test strips to go on the next medical um, shipment that's going over. Um, wow. If we can, so we'll try and supply as many as we can free of charge because um, obviously you don't want you don't want kids um, not being able to get what they need. Essentially, being able to test their blood and going into hypo or anything along the lines of that. So we'll we we i I'll I'll. I'll speak to um, that lady, or maybe I might get the the, the shipment delivered to, where was the, I, I can't remember the name of the, the place that we, it yeah, needs to the, be sent to, the, the in There's the shop in Douglas, Is
6: it an, an IT shop in Douglas called Repair IT, and they also have another one in Middleton, they're collecting uh, for the rest of the day, but I'm, I'm sure we could also probably put you in touch with, with Jennifer off air and maybe see yeah. what you can do there.
5: Yeah, well, what i like to... Look, it's very simple for us. We have a warehouse in in, in Athlone, so essentially just whatever... Look, I can send probably maybe 150 packs of strips and 150 blood glucose meters. Wow. Free of charge. Um, and that'll cover a lot of people. You know, to be fair, it'll cover... There's a good, depending on the type of diabetes that they have, one pack of test strips will do somebody, it could do somebody especially a type 2 patient um, or a type 1 patient, it could do them for two months, All right. so there's a good two month supply there for 150 people if
6: right. not more Okay, You're a kind and decent man, um, and we'll see what we can organise to get you connected with Jenny and get the delivery organised but yeah. you're you're you're, you're, a, you're a damn fine fella, uh, Stephen Walsh Neon Diagnostics going to organise 150 glucose packs on 150 metres to go to Ukraine for people with diabetes and we'll organise that. We'll start it out with Jenny and we'll start it out with a pair IT. Stephen Walsh, remember the name of the company. Decent man. Well done you. 0818969696 96 96, and drive safely to Dublin. That's where I made the call so short. He, he's on his way. Come here. We started it this morning. The fun began. You're listening every day at 8.15, 2.15 and 5.15 to hear our Knockout Hits as we prepare to send you and a friend to see Katie Taylor take on Amanda Serrano for the lightweight world title at Madison Square Garden on April 30th. This is some doozy of a giveaway. You get a title at 8.15, 2.15 and 5.15. And then when you have all three song titles, you text to WhatsApp Lorraine on the big drive and that's your chance to qualify. The lucky winner has return flights from Shannon or Dublin to New York. Three nights luxury hotel accommodation four-star in Manhattan pair of tickets to Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano Saturday 30 April at Madison Square Garden and 250 yo-yos in spending money You're listening to Win with Noel DC Cars in Blackpool Put your trust in their award-winning after-sales team with a Skoda service at noeldc.com, and it's only on Cork's 96FM
4: Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM.
2: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie
4: the lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can
2: we just talk? Call 0818-969696.
4: Text or WhatsApp 83 396 96 96.
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
4: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
2: on Cork's 96FM.
4: Yeah, on the
6: subject of the war economy, as Taoiseach has been saying over the weekend, John says Taoiseach's comments on the war economy is not going to affect his salary or the salary of other government TDs or ministers. So I think they should all drop to an industrial wage so they know how difficult it is for those on much lower salaries. And Thomas says the government's saying they're doing their best they can in terms of reducing the price of petrol and diesel, that the EU will have to agree to further reductions. But they have full control over road tax, don't they? So I was talking about this to a friend of mine Saturday night, actually. So why don't they just reduce it or scrap it for a while? I had to stop paying my road tax because I can't afford it. I'm now trying to avoid checkpoints. I have to commute to work over 30 kilometres each way. You know, discussing that now with a pan of mine. On Saturday night they're talking about this having to go to the EU to talk about VAT and all this kind of nonsense well why not just cut road tax that is completely within their gift to suspend road tax for six months to keep the price of motoring down that is an interesting idea because they're wedded to the ideology now to the Greens so they won't do that and Kevin was saying that one thing they cannot do is to add new taxes on top of it like the new carbon taxes that are due to come in in May um, Kevin is saying that that has to be suspended or has to be cancelled. Kevin, I tell you something now. I have, I don't. I think there's two chances, and, and Slim's on holidays because the the uh, the Greens are ideologically wedded to that carbon tax thing, and we're tied into some agreement with the EU. So they're both afraid of the EU and they're afraid of the Greens. So they ain't going to cancel that. I'd be very surprised if they did. I, I'd like to think they will, but I don't think they will. Somehow, oh uh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six. 96. Uh, let me go to tip. With, apart from inflation and the price of things and the effect of the war on our, on our lives. One thing we've heard a lot about in the last while is the skills shortage. Ever since we started to reopen society uh, after COVID, or after the worst of COVID, as it were, because COVID is still there, let's not forget that, but after the worst of COVID, when we started to reopen our society, we heard so much about a skills shortage and being unable to get skilled people. Tim, you don't believe in it, do, do you? Good morning.
0: No. Hi, hi, PJ, thanks for having me.
8: Yeah.
0: Um, I wrote to you because, oh, good God, I'm so just frustrated at listening to this about, there may be a real skill shortage, but let me tell you my experience. Sure. I've been sending in CVs specifically to recruitment agencies for the last few months since I finished the job in January. They are looking for a lot of people in, I have a lot of skills in the area of, Administration, mm. IT, as general IT for use in an office. I teach it, I teach all these skills, and I can do them. Mm. But I, get, I sentence, uh, oh, good God, uh, seven or eight anyway, for the sake of my sanity, I keep it to one or two a week. But I get no replies from these recruitment agencies, not a sausage.
6: Yeah, yeah. And what, I mean, do you have, are your skills based on... Experience or do you actually have sort of qualifications and paperwork?
0: All of us. Right. All of that. Twenty years. I started off. Uh, I qualified as a... well. I have a degree, which is very. These things are very useful. Yes. People think the and they are very useful. It is. I always say, and it's true. At interviews, the most useful thing I ever done in relation to IT is my history degree,
8: yeah.
0: <laughs> because. It gives you a huge understanding of the big picture, what's required, breaking it down into the small bits and putting it back together into the big picture and making it useful for people every day. But aside from that, I have the degree in, in Computer Science from UCC and I have a teacher's diploma in, in IT skills from the College of Commerce. Yes. Yeah. And I have 20 years' experience of teaching and using all these skills, teaching them in colleges, teaching them one to one. In the VEC and so on, and using these skills in business. Mm-hmm.
6: And you don't even get a call back?
0: No, no. Uh, so, and I live near many of these because I live in Cork City Centre, but now we Zoom, Skype, we various other technologies. And you, when you apply to these places or any place, you're giving them loads of personal information, PJ. Yes. And the least you'd expect then is they'd pick up the phone or take up the Zoom and talk to you for fifteen or twenty minutes. Yes. And it really, really leads me to two questions. One is: Are these vacancies, these recruitment advert, these vacancies, that re- these uh, recruitment agencies are advertising are they real? And two: What on earth are all these people doing with their time if they're not contacting people? They mm-hmm. face it sit now. Okay, they may argue they get loads of applications. If they're getting loads of applications, why do we have the skill charter? Because many of the people applying to them will, will be like me, with skills, real skills. Yes. So what are they all doing with their time, I'm asking? Yes.
6: And have you ever applied, or lately at least, Tim, have you applied directly to the employer rather than go through the agency? Or do you have to oh, go through an agency?
0: Yes, yeah, but... Uh, I mean, if you take your website like Indeed, indeed.com, I don't know if you're familiar with I that. I am, yeah, yeah. Oh, good God, it's rubbish. The jobs are long gone. They're up there. They're up there as live.
6: Well, they're if they're but gone. They're, they, they should be taken down, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but they're not taken down. Right. Uh, I did. I saw so I then they want you uh, separate an uh, like an empire advertising and say, "Want you to apply through Indeed." I tried this a couple of weeks ago. It was like, it uh, made me feel like a six year old. It really did. There was a silly aptitude test. You had to you had to count. I'm not joking about this, no, I'm not making this up. You had to count uh, the number of leaves on a tree or a petal or a, a plant. Oh,
6: God. Right?
0: This was for an office job now man, uh, managing, administering a database, which I'm well up to. I've done that before lots of times. Uh, and here they are, you're expected to count the leaves on a tree and it's supposed to make you, uh, be an assessment of your skills.
8: Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, come on, lads. Pull your socks up. My message from this call, PJ, to all employers and uh, any, everybody involved in recruitment, recruitment agencies, uh, employers, everybody involved in that side of it, because job applicants tend to be like, you know, very well skilled, very well prepared. We don't kid around. You don't bang in an application aspect. We're, we're, we tend to be very focused, mm. and we have a plan. But my and we are we we're very able now. But my message to employers and recruitment agencies from this call is: pull your socks up, ladies and gentlemen. Have respect and show respect and yeah. show basic standards when people do send in an application.
6: K, Kate is wondering, Tim, could you be overqualified for some of what you're? Applying oh
0: yeah, for? I'm glad you mentioned that, PJ. I'm really glad you mentioned that. There is no such thing now. We live in the year 2022. Some of these employers and and these agencies need reminding of that. Some of their standards and their ideas go back to 1922, I think, sometimes. There is no such thing as being overqualified. You see the war now in in Ukraine. Mm. Times of crisis, you need everybody you can get with skills, as many skills as you can. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter. I've never been in a job where I didn't. Why not a week went by? I didn't have to use my so-called higher skills at some stage. Mm-hmm. I like I was on, and I'm on at the moment. I was on. Um, I've been on, uh, say, community employment schemes and so on when I was mm-hmm. unemployed. But not a week went by in that job, and there there is well. It's the story for another day. But anyway, I, I not a week went by. And in the other jobs, call centres, teaching. For God's sake, not a week went by but I didn't need my higher skills. The history degree came in handy. The IT came in handy. The ability to get on with people came in handy. I've taught people talking about Ukraine. I've taught people from over twenty-five different countries here in Cork. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, I do speak French. I don't speak any other language at the moment. Uh, French is good enough. But that's the experience I have. I get on with people. And yet you get onto like an employer or recruitment agency, and you're completely fobbed off.
6: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. I must say I'm with you on the overqualified thing. And like, I don't care if someone has a PhD if they yeah. want to do the job I'm offering. What does that matter?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm, I'm serious. As I said, no people don't. I. I. I, I teach teenagers from time to time. And uh, a couple of years ago, I mentioned there was a couple of jobs. Look, I said, why are you not banging it up? No, they said, focus there. I have a particular plan. I'm going for it. And most job applicants are like that now. Somebody remarked to me in the welfare there two or three years ago. We were just got to talking about this exact point. And somebody in the welfare said, everybody like now, 60 or 70% of the population, she said, have a minimum of a PLC. And they're very good, as you know, I think. PLCs are really good now. College yeah. Commerce, St. John's and so on. Yeah,
8: they're very good.
0: And... Uh, she said, and I was saying, why don't the employers just take people?" that Actually, PJ, as you mentioned, we need to go back, to, I think, to giving people a start. You remember
6: that? Oh, I do well. Very well.
0: Yeah. And that's not nostalgia. That's a practical thing. This guy has a list of skills, a lot of experience. Uh, you know, but go on your gut there and give them a start.
6: No, I how completely us, agree how, with
0: you. How many of us, how many people I would be willing to bet. Uh, in the media, we'll say, I'm not going to sing it out in 1996, but in the media, done got, got in there on the basis of getting a start.
6: Yeah, listen, I can tell you myself, Tim, that's why I'm doing what I did today. Because back yeah. in the day, someone gave me a start. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, and this, fit, you know,
0: this country benefits hugely from your uh, from death.
6: I'm a total believer in giving people a start. Total believer.
0: Uh, so, we need to get back uh, at the risk of the cliche, get back to basics here. Uh, employers, the community, everybody involved in that side of it. Need to put up, show basic standards, show basic respect, show basic common sense and common decency. Mm.
6: Yeah, time to start going back to giving people a start and trust to them even for a couple of weeks and, and see how they do. Tim, thank you. Super email that you sent and a very interesting discussion that you start. That's Tim Buckley. Trying to get a job. Uh, qualifications up the wazoo. Experience that he could set up and sell and nobody wants to know and again that complaint comes up if it doesn't say much about the agencies when they don't even reply yeah i don't like that idea you don't reply I, I, that's not, that's not on 0818969696 have you ever come across anybody who suffers from endometriosis do you suffer from it yourself is there any member of your family who might suffer from endometriosis do you think you might have endometriosis because it's it's difficult you mightn't always know or you might think it was something else we spotted a good tiktok from a friend of the show dr monica perez over the weekend Uh, she is focusing on endometriosis at the moment encouraging people to get symptoms checked out so we said we'd have a, a little chat with her. We'll Let's hear that next. 0818 969696.
4: 96 96. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM
2: with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie.
6: Corks 96 FM. Dr. Monica, we saw your TikTok on endometriosis and I think it's fair to say that pretty much everyone of us, if we think hard enough, we know someone who's been through endometriosis. It's very common. But what exactly is it?
12: Hi, PJ. Thanks for having me on. So, yes. So, endometriosis is actually very, very common. I think it affects about a one in 10 people in Ireland. And then, so what is endometriosis? So it goes down to basically explaining what your period is like. So what happens during your period is that your womb kind of builds, thickens its lining, mm. getting ready for pregnancy. And if that doesn't happen, it sheds its lining. So for endometriosis to occur, some parts of that period blood, I'm sorry, I'm being very <laughs> descriptive, but some parts of that period blood escapes from that part to the back of the womb and to other parts oh. of the body where it shouldn't be, thereby causing inflammation and constant inflammation would lead to pain. Yes. And then what we call adhesions, which is like sticky tissues, which then leads to pain. So that's basically, so endometriosis is basically having endometrial cells outside of where it's meant to be.
6: Yeah, and. Do we know the cause? Is it caused by a trauma? Is it a naturally occurring thing? Who's susceptible to it?
12: So far, there are no um, definite causes, but they do know the cause of it is the fact that your period blood basically ends up where it shouldn't be. And there is some suggestions that there could be a familiar component, but there's still a lot of research that needs to be done because it's only in the last few years that it's been taken really seriously as a condition, you know.
6: Mm. It can get very serious Uh, I have a a close friend who Ended up having a hysterectomy at only 28 Because of it It can get very very serious Are there treatments available?
12: There are treatments available And the treatments are usually the common treatments That we use for things that um, For period related conditions The problem is That the symptoms of endometriosis Could be caused by other things And sometimes people think this is normal because if you've always experienced like painful periods, mm. you just accept that this is the norm for you. And then maybe when you then go on to maybe your early 20s or your teens and you go on uh, maybe uh, the pill for in terms of just as a contraceptive, the pill itself helps the symptoms of endometriosis. Mm. So then you don't even realize you have it, but you're getting the treatment for it, mm-hmm. which is okay. But then when then comes to the time that you want to have a baby, then you might then have fertility issues. And sometimes that is when it's picked up. So there are loads of treatments for it, mm. but actually getting the actual diagnosis is a thing that takes time. Yeah.
6: Is it, is it misdiagnosed a lot? Or is it diagnosed as something it's not? Or are other things investigated where, in fact, endometriosis is the thing we should be looking for? Does that happen?
12: I wouldn't call it a misdiagnosis. What I'd actually say is um, um, a late diagnosis, and that is because other things can cause the symptoms. Like, yeah. if you're having the bloating, it could be a symptom of a- IBS. If you're having heavy periods and things like that, you could probably have a fibroid, or it could be a, uh, maybe your thyroid blood is a bit abnormal and things like that. So and. Those things your GP could um, investigate. So it was a process of investigation. And in most cases, while we're investigating, we're simultaneously treating as well. Therefore, we don't approach that diagnosis. And if you come with if, to me and you're always having painful periods and I put you on a medication and that is sorted, You don't feel a need. Most people don't feel a need to start going ahead. And also the fact that we have ridiculous waiting lists and things like that. So you can't really. uh, So it's not a misdiagnosis. It's usually a late diagnosis. Yeah.
6: And I guess if someone gets relief from their pain, then they stop looking. It's a natural response.
12: Exactly. Plus, like you
6: said, waiting waiting lists to look further are ridiculously long. I mean, typical situation, Monica, if you have, if you suspect that someone may need more investigation, how long are those lists?
12: I suppose it depends on if you're private, if you have a medical card or if you, uh, uh, you're you're public, basically. Because one of the things that could, uh, you could um, use to diagnose it sometimes could be an ultrasound, but it's not gold standard. Yeah. Uh, the gold standard would be what we call a laparoscopy, which is a keyhole surgery. Basically, you're going into the abdomen and trying to find those endometrial cells where they're not meant to be, and at the same time, you could also get the treatment. Now, that is gynecology, <laughs> which is has at least a year's waiting list in some cases. Um, but if you are going private, it might be shorter, but you still have to wait a good a good while. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's sad.
6: In which time or time frame, your situation yes. is getting worse.
12: Yes, it could be getting worse or your GP could have um, treated it with the pill or even the coil as well. Or you being on um, a proper uh, analgesia that could control your symptoms. Endometriosis, um, the severity varies in different people. So some people have mild ones mm. and some people that have really severe ones that despite all the things your GP does, it doesn't really help.
6: Is it fair to say that even if the pain goes away, Monica, that you kind of shouldn't stop looking because there's still going something going on? Your painkillers are working, but there's still something going on. Is is that a fair assessment? Hmm,
12: that is a tricky one because um, there. I suppose not. It depends at what stage in your life you are. I'd say that. Yeah. Um, if you're in your maybe you're early 20s and your pain goes away, I don't see the need for investigation and things like that. Mm. Or let's say you're older and you might be approaching that stage where uh, you might be thinking about fertility and things like that. Yes. It might be worthwhile um, having those investigations. And like I said, surgery would be the gold standard. Therefore, it's not a minor thing to do. Because
6: so, is it a thing that when someone's on the pill for a few years and then they decide it's time to have a baby and they wean themselves off the pill, can it happen that the thing comes back with a vengeance then?
12: It could. And in some cases, actually, it comes back milder because the pill that has does what it is meant to do as well. So it, it varies. That's the thing with women. We're all different and we all react differently to things.
6: Your TikTok went through a number of different symptoms that people might watch for. Maybe you'd go yes. through them again for me um, so, and and we can talk then what you might do with some, if someone's experiencing those.
12: All right, so the uh, the main, the most common symptoms are usually pain. So painful periods, but then again, a lot of people have painful periods, but then is your pain more than what it should be. Sometimes pure cramps are okay, but there's some pains that's are just ridiculous. So pain before and during your period, and then there's also a bowel component as well. Do you have as <sighs> least sounding gross like painful period poops? Like, are they ridiculous? <laughs> so sometimes people might think, oh yeah, my bowels are a little bit different. And yes, your bowels will get a little bit different during your period, but is it that painful. And, and then again, you could have sometimes blood in your urine and outside your period as well. You could also be having pelvic pain. And those are people that are quite severe where they, they're already having like adhesions or things like that. And they are having pain all the time. So things like that. Yeah.
13: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
3: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
12: Yeah, you should look out for.
6: And is it true that, that we have the most advanced equipment here, but sometimes people end up having to go to the UK because the treatments aren't performed here?
12: Yes. And um, yes, from my knowledge, I believe that is the case. And there are so many factors it has to do with, I will go back to the waiting list as well. Mm. Um, We don't have that much, uh, as much as the UK does. And sometimes also it depends on whoever you're talking to and, and some cases. So if we take an example of the controversial like hysterectomy, where some younger people Want to have a distract me in their 20s, um, maybe? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And some um, consultants might not find it appropriate here. It has to do maybe with um, their beliefs and also just the way things were from years ago. Yeah. So, and um, meanwhile, the UK might be more open to things like that. So, yeah, so old, old
6: fashioned values, shall we say?
12: You said it now, not me. That's
6: why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it. As I said, I have a good friend who's been through this.
12: Yeah, yeah. We do know that your womb is not just there for fertility. There's so many other things that happens there. It's also there to support your pelvic floor. So having a hysterectomy is a permanent solution to something that there's some medication that can treat it. So that is why I feel hysterectomies are not taken lightly in, our, in Ireland. And um, we need to explore other options. And of course, if hysterectomy is the only choice you have, then you should speak to the consultant regarding that. And I think that's also one of the reasons, yeah, aside from the fact that I'm also a woman. So this is also my growing phase as well. That's I'm more vocal about it because people are not that comfortable talking about their periods. They're not talk- uh, comfortable talking about their periods to their, their doctors, to their friends, and they just kind of hide things, even to their partners as well. Mm. I went through that stage that I remember when I was dating someone, I would hide when I was in my period because I, I know, and it was, it was silly, but thankfully, the more I talk about it and then more people talking about it, then we're more open about these things and we can now get diagnosis and know that this is not right. I should go to my doctor about this. So, yeah, we should be more open about things like this.
6: Monica, always good to speak with you. I know you just finished a night shift. So go get some sleep. Thank you.
12: Thank you so much. I love your show. Cork 96 FM. I listen to you guys anywhere I am, even when I was in the Caribbean. So, yes, love you guys.
6: Thanks, Monica. <laughs> Take care now. Hey, Karen, have a party. Find her on TikTok. Look up Blondie Perez. Uh, it's Dr. Uh, Monica. 0818 96 96 96. Already prompted to call. I'll speak to Karen next.
4: Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM.
2: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie.
4: Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to
2: nightlife on Leaside.
14: Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Warrior by Karen Egan is a beautifully shot theatre film fusing drama, music and satire to explore cancer survivor Karen's journey through the medical system. It's an on-demand video stream from the Everyman Theatre and it runs from Monday 21st of March until Sunday April 3rd. Access all areas. Deirdre O'Kane brings her demented show to the of of Clonacilty this coming May 6th. Tickets are now on sale from the West Cork venue or available from tabara.ie. Access all
4: areas.
14: You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on
2: the
4: side.
2: On Cork's 96fm.
6: There's a lot of it out there. A lot of people don't even know that they have it yet and it can do them untold damage. Karen, uh, prompted a call from you. Good morning.
15: Hello. Good morning. How are you?
6: Hi. You've had a lot of difficulty with endo.
15: Yes, definitely. I, I've been 60, uh, 16 years with a problem with endometriosis. Right. I've been having four surgeries. Right. And then the, the last one, they have to be cut in part of my intestines, oh my about God. 20 centimeters from my intestines and clean up the bladder because the endometriosis went into my bladder too. Oh my my last surgery two years ago. Yeah. Oh,
6: my God. And, and, and it
15: was... It was mm-hmm.
6: At the start, did you know that mm-hmm. you had it? When was it diagnosed?
15: There wasn't diagnosed uh, when I was trying to be having a baby and I couldn't have normal... Uh, I couldn't conceive normally. Okay. And then I have to go into a private uh, gynecologist to try to see, and it's when he discovered I have endometriosis. Okay. And I have my lucky uh, he cleaned the first time the endometriosis, and then I could have my two kids by treatments. Okay. okay. After that, I the pain come back, and then they decide to remove. Uh, they make laparoscopies. They, they, I have different kinds of treatments, but they was still not working. Yeah. And then they decide to remove my my womb and one of my ovaries. Okay. And then the pain was still going on, right. and then they decide to be co- uh, removing the the uh, the intestines and my last ovaries. Oh my And. Okay. Two years after, i still having the pain. I'm still waiting for my gynecology to see me again, to see if the endometriosis is still presented. So
6: even after a hysterectomy and both your ovals done, you still have it? Yes. My goodness me, that's very severe.
15: And i still having the pain, you know.
6: My goodness me. Do you mind me asking what age you are?
15: 42 42 and you still and yeah. you still have it and the, I still having a big trouble you know oh and goodness. this was all my all my time Then I start my period that was extremely painful and the people they don't understand and that pain is really really preceded. yeah
6: yeah and I think your message and your reason for contacting the opinion Karen is do not ignore the possibility get it checked out no
15: Definitely, since you you are a very young age, you have to be keep an eye on the pain of this period. You know. Yeah. And if it's more you than you think, su- that you don't be- suffer that much. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All the time, I needed to stay two or three days in my bed, lay down, and things like that, because you couldn't move. Like oh, it was goodness. really, really bad. Like.
6: And and how, and how is it now? Is it as severe now still?
15: Um, yes, it's still uh, severe, but it's uh, controlling and taking medication. Okay. Then I need to have it all the time, you know, when I have the pain. That's very hard.
6: That's very tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find I can't believe that even after having the hysterectomy and your ovaries gone, like I, I, you still have pain. That's that's awful. Karen. Yes.
15: And more because it went into my intestines. Just what we saying when, I know the doctor was saying, when you, have you, a, you
6: have the adhesions open your in, balls, yeah, you have the adhesions, yes.
15: Yeah, yeah. yes, you are still having the pain, you know. Oh, my goodness. And nobody could be comfortable with all of this situation, you know. I
6: know, I know. So to younger, Even in I the mean, last... Yeah, go
15: ahead. Even in the last surgery, there was the possibility to put me a, a bag to, I don't remember the name, yeah, when the they caught your testing. Yeah. Yes, the colostomy, and then Scott, my doctor was amazing, and they avoid that situation. But still, you know. Are you
6: you worried that they may have to have more surgery, Karen?
15: Yes, like it's a situation that I may have in every two or three years. I need to go to doctors. Just my kids already saying, "My mom again, you go." Just again, I go, and they're not happy. You know. How old are the kids? Eleven and eight. And, they and they're being with me, and they're being my doctors and my nurses when I'm in, in recovery. and um, they're being amazing.
6: And I know from a friend, a good friend who uh-huh. who had have the hysterectomy route in the end, and thankfully that was that that sorted her out. But but like the the pain, the recovery is so yes. hard. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
15: Definitely. You poor one. Um, and in my case and and being here only with my husband and my two kids um foreigner (laughs) like what we're saying and being here 16 years but it's for us it's more hard because i don't have any other family Mm. only very close friends they're being helping me out and she's been amazing all the time with me thanks for her okay
6: Okay, Karen, thank you for your call and I wish you, I wish yeah. you an improvement in your health that's a, that's a, terrible, that's a terrible extent of endometriosis yeah. thank you so much Karen mum of two, um, she has had her womb and her ovaries removed and still she has invasive endometriosis in her bowel and her message is, if you think there's something the matter with those period pains get it checked out, which is exactly what Dr. Monica would say just get it checked don't be afraid to go to the doctor and ask that question and if it's persistent and if it won't stop and if it keeps getting worse ask the question could it be end right helen's got in touch with us because you've got a friend who is in hospital or a relative and and they want a telly and there's no tellies there tell me more helen good morning
16: good morning pj um, I'm just very quickly, I'm making an appeal this morning to all the major electrical retailers in Cork and County, mainly Curry's, Argus, Harvey Norman, Soundstore, Dwyer's and D.I.D. I'm asking you, please, if you could provide a number of small televisions to the CUH, Ward 2A, and in particular to the isolation rooms where, unfortunately, patients cannot leave their rooms. Right. So PJ, at present, most of the televisions in the hospital, I'm informed, are either broken and the remotes are all missing from them. So I know that the CUH are doing everything they can, you know, to limit the infections and they, the visitors aren't freely allowed at the moment. Sure. So in place, um, so in recognition of this and the well-being of the patients, I just thought um, because they really, some of them do really miss the television. yeah, And um, it's their only contact with the, the world outside with regards to, you know, sports, TV, um, entertainment and the news. So. I just think you know it's just such a shame at the moment, yeah. and because of COVID and the restrictions,
6: you've got someone um, up there at the moment, have you, good. Helen? Pardon? You've got someone there at the moment.
16: Yes, I do. Yes, yes.
6: And and they can't get can't leave the room, so they're stuck for a telly. Is that it?
16: Yeah, yeah. And also, um, it's in the pain really as well for you know um, all the other patients as well um, that you know really do like TV and um, they mightn't have access or. Even the um, skills to use a tablet or a phone to get on TV, so it's just really um, television. A small television, a couple in the ward even would be great, you know. Okay,
6: okay. Well, Helen, we give the opportunity. I we'll would see what kind of response we get. And good luck to whoever it is you have that, that's in there. Hope they have a speedy recovery back to full health. Thank you for that, Helen. Said all of the tellies in this is the ward in Cuh where her relative in. Thank you, Helen. She's back there on line one. You know, all of the tellies are either broken or they've no remotes and at the moment if you're isolated in there or you're stuck in one room on your own you can't come out because of obvious infection reasons and all of that she so would go demented, you'd go bonkers if you don't telly so can we get is any of the retailers listening or anyone with a bit of pull with any of the retailers or anyone who does repairs for any of the retailers, anything like that would they donate a couple of small tellies in decent Nick and remotes to CUH. Thanks, Helen. Oh, it might or might not happen. 0818 96, 96, 96. I've spoken in the past about Toastmasters. Uh, I'm a member of Toastmasters. Now, when I say member, I wouldn't exactly be a frequent visitor to meetings or anything, but I am a member of Toastmasters in Blarney. And on any occasion that I've been there, I've thoroughly enjoyed myself and, and, and made some great friends. I, I joined it to make myself a bit better at my job. And to be honest, I hope it worked. I don't know. Uh, Joanna, that's exactly where you joined a new Toastmasters Club in, in Cove. Good morning.
17: Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I suppose um, definitely for the fact that I'm like when I took over the president of Coven Harbour Chamber, I've always had, although I'm a confident person, I've always had a fear of public speaking i.e. that I used to find it very, very daunting. And, you know, I, what I did over the pandemic is, well, actually just before the pandemic, I embraced getting a bit of tutoring on it. Mm. So I, John Keating, whom you'll be speaking to in a minute, he gave me some coaching. But prior to that, my mum, Victoria, would have been very involved in the Cork Toastmasters. And I used to kind of go along with her to that many years ago. And I just find that it's a really good tool because we're all learning every day. Yeah, But, you know, for us to get that message out to be able to speak in public is such a great thing to do mm-hmm. but you know it's not an easy thing to do either
8: mm-hmm.
17: and that's why I think Toastmasters are to be commended really for encouraging people
6: Toastmasters is a wonderful safe space and there might only be 10 people or there could be 20 people in the room you can go up there and if you make a complete hames of it nobody will ever laugh at you, they will say here's how not to make a hames of it again
17: Exactly Exactly. They will
6: guide you and train you.
17: Yeah, and I think that that's where, like Cove Toastmasters, John, as he said, it's crafting your speech. You'll like, go through about a minute, yeah. but crafting your speech is important. Delivering your speech, pausing, breathing. It's not about you. It's about you delivering a speech to the people who want to hear the speech, yeah. want to get the information. And that's what I find, even regarding my job um, as down here in Cove, that I'm representing Cove. So I'm getting a message out. And I can tell you, PJ, up to about a year ago, even me coming on the radio was a big deal. Mm. You know, so it's, it's it's helping, but I still have a bit more to go. I, I
6: was wondering how much you, how you had improved so much, because you have, and I've interviewed you a few times now.
17: Yeah, and I just feel a little bit more comfortable, and I suppose... To leave your ego at the door is really the thing, right? John always says that to me. Joanna, you know, when you're speaking, it's not about you. You're delivering a message to the public, which they want to hear. And, you know, that's why I think even all the Zooming and videos is giving me a chance to get out of my comfort zone. But I still have a bit to go, and I know that. But that's okay. We're all human.
6: Indeed, indeed. I'll bring John in, right. uh, the Toastmaster at uh, at Cove uh, Toastmasters. And John, as I said, I have a, I have a connection. I have a great friend who's a DTM, uh, and I was involved a little bit a while with with Blarney. So I know the benefit of Toastmasters is about turning those words into an actual presentation, isn't it? Good morning.
14: Good morning, Peter. Yeah, yeah. It's getting it's 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 really crafting your message. Um, How long are you? Involved yourself? I'm I'm involved now. 14 years. Uh, I've started the the, the Cove Toastmasters. the fifth club I've started.
6: Okay, so you're around a while.
14: I am. I am. I I love it. I mean, what what I find about Toastmasters is that we see people come in one way, and they they develop. They develop that self confidence. Uh, We have a lovely lady in Bishopstone Toastmasters who told the Toastmaster one time, um, you won't become a Toastmaster, you'll become yourself. Yeah. And and that's what the essence is. You find your voice, you find your confidence, and it really makes it, uh, a huge difference uh, in people's lives. I've seen people come in unemployed, um, develop the skills, develop the confidence, and get very good jobs. Yeah. So it, it has a huge impact. And I suppose the, the tragedy really is that we're not taught public speaking skills in, in schools or in colleges uh, and Toastmasters fills that gap.
6: Yeah, you people who find themselves like Joanna, you, they find themselves in a, in a position through a, a new job or a new role and they have to speak to the public and they realise, oh crikey, there's more to this than just standing up here.
14: Well, That's it. I mean, there is the expectation because we can speak, we can stand and speak. and uh, They're two different beasts. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the fear, the anxiety, the, it's called glossophobia, the, the fear of public speaking. It's very real and it affects people and it holds people back. There are and once they get, get out of their own way and find their confidence, yeah. yeah, it makes a huge difference.
6: There are loads of clubs around and like I said to Joanna and she agreed with me, it's a safe space as in if you stand up and, and you speak for a minute or a minute and a half and you make a mess of it, nobody will ever laugh at you people will say, okay, now here's not to make a mess of that again. And the next time you do it, you'll you'll surprise yourself on what you learned from that careful analysis of how you did it.
0: Is that
14: okay? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's the essence of it, uh, PJ, is It is safe. It is welcoming. Mm. Uh, people are recognized uh, that they, they come in with a fear. But it is safe and it is secure. And it is critically critically a fun environment. Yeah, it is. Oh, there's enough. You know, it is enjoyable. People do have a lot of fun at meetings. Um, so when if is, there when, wasn't when, fun, when the I don't reg- think the learning would, would, would be there. Indeed.
6: When are the regular meetings now, guys?
14: In Cove? Joanna? Yeah, every sorry, Monday.
17: Um, we start on Monday, 8 o'clock tonight, actually. We started last week, but we're again now this evening at 8 o'clock. The beauty about the Cove Toastmasters is that it's going to be on every week. And what we're going to do today, John is going to teach us how to craft um, a speech, which is great, because that's the first thing to do. And it's going to be in the Commodore Hotel. And they, we're very grateful that they've given us a room, which is fantastic. So there's no cost for people coming in to pay every week, although there's a cost, obviously, to do the course. Yeah. But um it's fantastic. And I do feel that we're going to have a good take, but it'll be slow to build because I suppose it is acknowledging, you know, for you to do this that it is a, you you know oh my god I have a fear would I, would I be okay to go to a Mass will I have to speak straight away no you don't. you don't you come in you assess what's going on meet people when you're ready to speak you speak it's not good you're not you're not being put on the spot but if I may just say something PJ and I, I suppose I would be really passionate about this and like I suppose, I'm, I'm I'm 50 now, right? I remember when I went to school, remember the session Matthew? I do well. And you go up in front of everybody and you'd be terrified, right? That would have been my experience back then. And obviously, public speaking wasn't to the fore back then. Whereas now, it, if we really need to bring it into the schools, almost like it's an extra subject. Because... You can retain all this information, but you need to be able to get it out because yeah. you can do so much good when you get it out. And it can be the difference of you getting a really good job or getting a role or doing something voluntarily or just for your own growth as a person, yeah. you know, your own journey.
6: Yeah, I think you're so right. You're so right. John, thank you very much. John Keating, the Toastmaster at Blarney, or, beg your pardon, Cove Toastmasters, who meet every Monday night at the Commodore. And Joanna Murphy, who's benefiting from the Cove Toastmasters and she's the uh, President of Cove Chamber at the moment, thank you both 0818 Commodore Hotel in Cove, Monday nights
4: Can we just talk The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With the Cork City
2: Marathon Take on your next challenge this June By running solo or with a team Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Marathon.ie.
4: The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96,
2: 96,
4: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 3 96 96 96.
2: Email opinion at 96 FM.ie.
4: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
2: on Cork's 96 FM.
6: 0818 96, 96, 96 is the number to call the text or WhatsApp 083 Sean says, I think the President should call on the crew that negotiated the Good Friday Agreement and offer them to Putin and Zelensky and give them the same template that was used so successfully in Northern Ireland. It's a thought. It is certainly a thought. We had Catherine on the show on Friday talking about antisocial behaviour uh, in her around her daughter's place. Um, and uh, we got her a, a statement back from City Council. I'll try and bring you that before the End of the show. Now, let me see. I, I, we may have a slight problem with our next contributor on the basis that he may not want to speak to a station that's based on the north side of the city. We'll have to find out. The
18: whole lot of guys ashen-faced and hard hats and they're on digging and milling around amongst them. Sean Mike, Sean Mike, O'Shea, O'Shea. So I said to him, what are you doing with a coal mine? Well, would you listen to Greta Thunberg? I said, no, what are you doing opening a coal mine in the week of COP26? Eric, Christ, what better week to open And Sure, they're going to pay me a fortune of money to close it down. And I said, but like, how did you know there was coal under the Black Rock Road? There's no coal, you prowl. We just ship it at night, right? Down from a coal merchant in town by boat along the river. And then during the daytime, we ship it back up, fresh out of the ground. And I said, and who are all these people milling around? Oh, they're miners. I said, coal miners? No, Kerry miners, football and hauling. I tell you, Reggie, future Kerry teams, they'll know how to dig themselves out of a hole. I said, but like, you know, you're just going to end up with a giant, a base in your back garden. I will not. I'll end up with the foundations for Alpaca World. Grand opening April, free ice cream.
6: Reggie, I'm sorry now to bring you on to a Northside radio station. Good morning.
18: PJ, I'm full of admiration. I, I actually can't believe... Do you, you must have an armoured car for going to work, too. I mean, fair play <laughs> to you, though. I'm a massive admirer. I'm, no, no, I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm actually having to go up there a bit myself, as you probably know, recently. But, uh... God, how do you do it?
6: I ah, sure we're all right. Once you carry the passport, I think, and once you take the ID and tablets in the glove compartment, you're doing all right. You know.
18: Oh God, I Well, I mean, I can't really. I'm, I'm wary of going up there after all the things I'm after saying about the north side. But um, I've got a few baseball ball caps and stuff like that, and the sunglasses. I'll keep, keep mum. So,
6: so the, problem is, are the easy way you get out of it is that they can't. Sloppy can't come up. Bunty can't come up. Right. Milky can't come up because they know all their names, but we don't know your second name.
18: Yeah, and you won't either. No, we keep you. I keep that under careful wraps. And actually, I'll be explaining why in my upcoming show in The Everyman. I'm not even going to give you the reason.
6: You're either one of the horny brooks or the Blennerhassets, as far as I Reggie, our alias Pat Fitz, you lunatic. It started as a lockdown project, and you're taking over the world, you divvilya. Good morning again.
18: Oh, yeah. I'm not sure it was the word. No, PJ. Um, but, yeah, it's it's gone really well. Jesus was kind of, it was kind of a surprise, really, because, you know, it had been something it was out of the newspaper articles and it had been on a podcast a bit. And then what happened was I couldn't record for the podcast. And one day I work in, I do a bit of work in RT on the Today Show. I was going in there on the South Mall. So I just put the phone in my face and recorded it as Reggie. Just did. I said, something, I'm here in South Mall now. You know, I own half the place. And about a 10-second Slot yeah. and uh, I just posted up my own Twitter account and it got a huge reaction and I suppose it went from that <laughs> and then.
6: And you started writing scripts and and, and Bun- <laughs> Yeah, Bunty Harrington was born and Sloppy
18: Cop. That's right. And Milky. Pickham I got a kind of yeah, a, a, a kind of a crew of no goods. Like a, the big thing for me was when they remember they brought in the the county, the biggest video, the starting one was when they allowed other counties. You, you were able to move from county to county during lockdown, That's and right. I did one. Saying to the you know neighbouring counties like Limerick and Kerry, don't even try it; that you won't be welcome, um, and you'd be surprised. PJ, Cork people seem to be very proud of our county. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so uh, that was the start of it.
6: You said something one day, but you'd rather lick the streets in cantork than and then. Than... <laughs> Does
18: anybody? Yeah, ever look, f- anyone it? who's been to. But you see, this is the thing, right? Like, I mean, I'd be wary of obviously, I'd never be seen dead in Cantork. but like you know, I'd actually know a good few people from North Cork. And like it's when people love their own town being mentioned, even particularly if you say something terrible about it. Like the, the you know the worst thing you say the better in terms of getting uh, traction on social media, as you probably know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And you're, you're particular my
6: my my you mentioned the Today Show. My my missus is convinced that Sean Mike Sean Mike O'Shea O'Shea is actually Dahi O'Shea.
18: Well, the BBC is a bit, of a bit of like it's the kind of, yeah there'd be a bit of i know Dahi a bit like um, so I definitely took the name from Dahi and a bit of the kind of you know I wouldn't be giving a straight answer either yeah, yeah. you know everything is it is it isn't it is so, <laughs> right yeah, yeah well I have a, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. I have the a great friend a Kerry man and he lives in he lives in New Jersey and I send him all of the videos that have uh, Sean Mike Sean Mike in it and all I get back is he's not wrong he's not wrong.
18: <laughs> well, this is it. Like, See, the, tr- the truth doesn't hurt though because, you know, Kerry people are going, aren't we great? Like, you know, but, <laughs> but they don't care.
6: How do you turn two-minute videos into a stage show? How do you do that? A lot of work involved.
18: Um, well, there is. We're about to find out because uh, An Evening with Reggie is, is starting I've about three weeks out. The preview is actually Thursday fortnight yeah. and then Saturday is the opening night, April 2nd, in the Everyman. So I do it by, by throwing myself with people who know what they're doing, PJ. Like, mm-hmm. I, I to see Everyman approached me and said, would you like to do something? And what I think I, I want to do something live. I was kind of thinking a 20 minute stand up set. And then Sophie Motley in the, in the Everyman kind of said, you know, would you do a kind of a one-hour thing? And then I said, Jesus, I don't know how to do that. But then, you know, I said, Pat Kiernan, the director from a dark yeah. and, you know, top theatre director. Um, and I was actually in school with Pat, of all things. But I wouldn't have known that well. But we've been in touch since the Rage thing. I asked him, would he direct it? And really, that was the key, because he understands how to make a one-hour stage show. Um, and it's not obviously going to be just like the videos, because, you, you believe it or not, you can't just have one hour of saying horrible things about people from Cantork um, much, as, much as you might want to um, so it's putting variety into it and uh, there's been plenty of work and there's plenty of work there's more work to be done but we'll yeah. get there I think it's going to be a great night
6: and will all the other characters make an appearance?
18: through me yes so it'll, it'll just be me but, um, but they're all there there'll be a few of them in the theatre and uh, a few of them will be Arriving in, broadcasting live from Kerry. So yeah, not quite that way, but don't worry, it'll be. I know it's all great. your favourites will be on stage. Yeah. All your favourites you, you will be know, there.
6: The thing is, you see, we see Reggie's face on the video, but we're trying to put faces on them all, and characters on them. Like yeah. I've, I've Milky Down as a small little, small little fat fella,
18: right? Who wears? Well, the- you see, that's grand because I don't have to bother. The beauty is, see, that if I had to get a Milky in PJ, I'd have to pay him. <laughs> so as long as I don't. as long- <laughs> So it's perfect i do it all myself do you know what he Keep is? the costs down he's,
6: he's the small little fat filler right In the cream suit That he still has From when they were Fashioned in the 70s
18: Yes yeah, Mil- yeah Milky Pilkington Is the top estate agent On the South Mall So it's I think you have him good, there actually The cream suit <laughs> Yeah That's the guy That's him
6: <laughs> And he still has The briefcase That his mammy gave him The day he qualified
18: Oh, he does, yeah. yeah. And But actually, it's funny you should say that. My mammy gave me a briefcase when I qualified in UCC in 1989. Yeah. And I still have
6: it. You did You did so, computers. You're so far removed from this. Was it computers or something
18: you did in college? I yeah. did electrical engineering and then worked in computers for about 20 years. I lived in Dublin for a lot of that. Yeah. Um. And then it kind of just happened. It was kind of a Celtic Tiger madness because I know Brendan O'Connor. Yeah. Who at the time was an editor in The Independent. That's right. At The Life magazine. So he kind of got me started then. Yeah, he,
6: doing the you know, bits there, and that you used to write. Did you write some of his stuff? The opening of his Saturday Night Show and stuff like that.
18: And then, yeah, that, that was the hard. That was the, mo- the monologue at the start of the Saturday Night Show. Brenda would crack a few kind of topical jokes, and I'd wrote some of them. And like that's a that's hard, nothing harder than because you've no like you've no context. You just have to go bang that's bang right. joke, you that's know. Right. But it's right. a great way, great, a great exercise in learning how to land a joke as well you know that's, that was yeah. hard but a great and great but, kind of a training of books,
6: run 101 reasons Cork is better than Dublin and 101 more reasons yeah. Cork is better than Dublin
18: well yeah that's, that's a 10 volume series actually a and then there's 101 reasons Ireland is better than England yeah <laughs> so they've, they've been going well out of the back of it as well so well,
6: Pat we look forward to catching up with Reggie and all the crew on the stage at every minute I'm delighted for you because it's yet another lockdown project that went demented for the, for the guy behind it and it's great it's great to see
18: Thanks very much. No, I appreciate it, PJ. Lovely to hear that. Thanks very much.
6: Take care. We'll we'll talk to Reggie and Milky and Sloppy and Bunty and the whole lot at some, at some point during their run in the event. it Starts in April. That's Pat Fitz, uh, a.k.a. Reggie on the Black Rock Road. A lockdown project that went mad. Thanks, Pat. 0818 96 96 96. I can't wait to see it. The misses I can't wait to see that
4: show. It's it, it's going to be so good. Can
14: we just talk?
4: The opinion line on Corks 96 FM.
2: With the Cork City Marathon, take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The
4: takeover on Corks 96
2: FM. Weeknights from seven on the big drive home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up.
4: Takeover. You pick what we play. With
2: Cork Dental Care's one-day Invisalign event, Saturday, March 26th. Looking for the perfect smile? See CorkDentalCare.com for more. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. Cork's
4: 96FM.
6: Now, I am informed every day is a day for something uh, these days, as you know. And you know that we are all got a new holiday, a new public holiday on Friday. Friday the 18th of March, which means there's only a three-day week on the opinion line this week, because we're off Thursday for Patrick's Day and we're off on Friday, because it's the 18th and all that kind of carry on. But I'm thinking, no better day on Friday for uh, International or National Jambon Day, because you can think of it now, fellas who've been going down hard on the old Guinness, watching the bit of Cheltenham, out for the parade, Do you know... Taking us, taking us, taking us less than handy on the drink for Patrick's Day because it's what we do. I know, I know, but it is. So there'll be a lot of fellas a Friday morning and be going, Can you ever go down to the garage and give me a few jam buns? Like, cure myself. They are one of our greatest cures. Um, I don't know that. Are Owen McCulligan of the Hardy Books or Owen Colgan, are they a, a cock
19: thing or where did they come from? The jam. Bun. There are, there are. Well, I think generally every every deli in the country seemed to kind of have some sort of synchronicity, and they brought out the jam buns together. And there's there's a great bit of soakage in a jambon
6: There is, and the ham and cheese. And it's right.
19: It's ham and cheese, or if you got the new one coming out, the chicken curry jam bun, which is in all good shops now at the moment. It's delicious, and uh, I'd highly recommend that one. And it's just it's just a cornerstone of the Irish life now. You know, it's kind of like uh, where did it's kind it come of like, from? Where did it come from? Yeah. Oh, it's a good question. You know, I mean, Golden Bake, you know, they they have all the good jam on the shelves now. But myself, personally, I've been talking about this for years and people wouldn't listen to me. And uh, eventually they just popped up in the delis, you know, and they were stuck in there in in amongst the hash browns and the sausage rolls. And people didn't really see them at the beginning. But once they got a taste for them, people weren't going back and they couldn't stop talking about them. They're like a croissant with a hole in it into which you put whatever filling you want. And then you bake. Well, it you can put out, yeah, you put out whatever you want. But generally, the the best ones is the ham and cheese, and that's, yes, you'll 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 be on the right path if you get one of them into you. But yeah, you can put out whatever you want into it. There's the new one out at the moment now, chicken curry jambon. I've tried it myself. It's absolutely delicious. Mm, because a few of them, and, and they
6: they they're, they're why are they the greatest hangover cure known to man? I don't know why, but someone seems to know why.
19: It's uh, because they kind of tick every box, you know. They're handy, you know. You can have you can have one in each hand they a nice bit of soakage in them as I said and they're great value for your money you get good bang for your buck you have two or three of them on a Sunday you'll feel mighty after them you know And there's no messing around if you don't know how to cook throw them into the uh, the oven and stick them on for a couple of minutes and then Bob's your uncle
6: there you are and they, they will be sold out how did how did they get a national day I mean the day after St. Patrick like that's that's so much cheaper yeah
19: well, if you look at the history books, St. Patrick himself, he did talk about snakes, but there was a couple of mentions about pastries and deli counters in, in some of the books. And <laughs> we looked into it a bit more and there was talk of him eating jambons when he came down from Crow Patrick, So, that's so St. Patrick why got rid of the
6: snakes and gave us the jambon.
19: He, he went down to a deli straight away and he told someone behind the counter and she threw him out a couple of jambons. And that's, that's he said himself, let's make National Jambon Day, the March the 18th. I see. Maybe, maybe, you know, and that's just how it is. And maybe he's he a bit under now.
6: the weather from celebrating, but the time he got to the eighteenth as well.
19: He might have had a couple of Guinness on top of the mountain, all right, chap. <laughs>
6: <gasps> oh, for goodness' sake! How's how's the Hardy box going these
19: days, on? Oh, mighty, yeah, yeah. Well, we just got taken off Netflix there a while ago, so we're trying to, you know, get them on the phone and see what the story is inside Netflix. The uh, so we're trying to get back on there again, but yeah, it's mighty. All the boys are doing well, and they were asking for you, and Good. They're currently tucking into a few jambons themselves now at the moment, so yeah, they're keeping mighty. All right, okay. Well, listen,
6: happy yeah. National Jambon Day on Friday in, in yeah. collaboration with Golden. I, you're the, I mean, you're the head the head taster.
19: What a what a, what a head. way to what a career change! Oh, stop! This has been a dream all my life. You know, to be National Jambon Taster, it's just something that's you know I've always wanted to become. So, the fact now that I have my own chicken curry jambon which is going to be on the shelves. It's in the freezers in a couple of weeks. It's in the deli counters as we speak. And Golden Bake and McDonald's have teamed up together to bring out something that you won't stop talking about.
6: Well, I I can't wait to taste it. Uh, Owen Colgan, the official head jambon taster uh, for McDonald's, is celebrating National Jambon Day on Friday with the chicken curry jambon. If you could create your dream jambon, Mary Jane says, what a time to be alive, National Jambon Day. If you could create your dream jambon, what would you put into it? There's the thought for you now. Your dream jambon. You can put anything you want into a jambon. You know what it's like. It's like a croissant with a hole in it and you put whatever you want into a jambon. Ham and cheese is the most popular. Chicken curry is coming out. But what would you like in the ideal jambon? I'm trying to think myself. I think chicken curry's good. Um mushrooms maybe. Yeah. Or how about a poached egg? How about a nice poached egg. How about a how about a jambon benedict, right? With a poached egg and a little bit of that lovely sauce and a rasher. How about that? Oh eight four eight ninety six ninety A tripe and dresheen jambon. That's got to be Fergal. That's got to be Fergal.
4: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM.
2: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie
4: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
2: Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On
4: Cork's 96FM.
6: Now, I was looking at a video over the weekend where uh, it is the time of year now, we're in springtime and the weather is warming up a little. It's the time of year when the queen bees, the queen bumblebees, who are looking for a new place to nest before they go gathering pollen for honey and all that, you know yourself, pollinating and making honey and all that, they um, are coming out now. And they're big, huge, fat devils. And. Also, uh, people are encouraging us now to look after the bees a little bit better because we begin to learn. Um, We've learned how important they are to us. And DCs for bees. Tom Butler, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you this morning? Good. Tell me about DCs for bees. I know we're watching for the big bumblebees now at this time of the year because they're coming out and they're seeking a warm place in the sun and then they're looking to... Build a nest and all that, but in general, we we got to look after the bees. And there's a, 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 it's a, it's the planting of orchards for them.
10: This, yeah, this, this is um this organised this uh, project came about uh, late last year. We were we were asked about to get involved in it, and there's been in um, ex- excess of a thousand mixed fruit trees mini mini orchard orchards planted in fifty two locations around Ireland. And Balancolic was asked to be involved and we took it on board. So we have a selection of um, uh, plum trees, apple trees and pear trees. And um, we have 50 of them planted. And these are going to be like mini orchards. They're planted in an area where there's a lot of biodiversity so that there will be uh, food there for, for the, the the bees. And it will also, it will, the, planting the trees so close together, it helps them all to, to grow better. And we're going to monitor the effects that this orchard, these orchards have, um, both on the you know the the, tra- the traffic to them for when they're when in blossom etc., and also then what the effect it will be on uh, in general around the area for the bees, yeah. so, which be- is very positive.
6: Because I don't, it's only I think in recent years, Tom, that we've begun to learn the importance of the humble bee to what we do, to every uh, to to our economy, to our food, to everything.
10: Well, I think, PJ, you're right. And I think that Ballancolic has been one of the areas to the forefront in this. We've developed a pollinator corridor going from uh, Pool of Own roundabout right through the whole of Ballancolic. We have, as we say, we have stops all along the way for the bees to, to feed on. And even at the moment, there's a huge drive on. You can see it there with super value about not cutting the grasses at the moment. People are out there cutting. The dandelions are probably one of the biggest sources of foods that the the bees you're talking about that are coming out. Leaving dandelions there, giving them that food they, they need when they come out of hibernation. It's a huge part of it. And I think Cork City Council have taken a, a major step this year that they have stopped spraying. And that's going to make a huge difference to, you know, that there's not going to be spraying herbicides, which which will help the bees themselves. It's become a huge thing, PJ, unfortunately. Um, we, it's something that we've, we're all waking up to. There's a drive at the moment to encourage more people to plant pollinator plants, To no matter what you do, to think. Because if we don't have the bees, you know everything else is going to go uh, belly up as such.
6: Yeah. When
10: we see dandelions
6: and buttercups and daisies in our garden, a first instinct is reach for the lawnmower. But in actuality, at this time of the year, what we should do is leave them. For a week or two. Exactly. Because that, exactly. The, 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 the bumblebee has come out of hibernation and they need this to feed so they can go and make nests and they do the pollination. So if you've got dandelions and buttercups and daisies in the garden, leave the lawnmower in the shed for another couple of weeks so that... Definitely.
10: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's something very small, but it actually makes a difference. And we, we have, like, all of our planting that we would do, everything is to do with poll- pollinators. And you probably come past um, Pool of One Roundabout in yes. the centre of that. That's a, that's a pollinator area. And if you were to stand there in the middle of summer, it is, uh, I, all I could describe it is as, as amazing to see the bees feeding on the, on the plants. It is, uh, you're not talking about hundreds, you're talking about thousands upon thousands of them. Yeah. And they're there just feeding. And if that spreads out, that's helping uh, along the way. The more people the plant, do what you just said there, is just a very small gesture, but it makes a big difference. Mm. And, you know, when we have more and more housing estates being built and more areas being cut back, like the food for them is being taken away. So we, we have to yeah. reintroduce it. You go to a lot of European countries and you will see it. Um, but if you go into Fishers Park now, that's an area that is growing more and more for pollinators. The City Council have seen that and they're developing it further. Mm. And it, it's, it's, we all have to play our part. Everybody has to play their part. I, I
6: would have been one of these people that would have said, you know what, buttercups and daisies and dandelions, they're flipping weeds and they make the grass ugly. <laughs> and and fine, in a way, they are. But I remember saying to someone, said, let it just leave it go for three weeks or so. Cut your grass by all means. But let them flourish, because when they're flourishing, the bumblebees are feeding. And that's nature. Nature is providing food for the bumblebee, so don't interfere. Just let it live for a couple of weeks. Then when they've fed, they've gone and made, then you can cut your grass. No one's saying never cut your grass again.
10: Exactly, and cut it less frequently as well, PJ. That's yeah. the thing, you know, it's not that you have to have it like a, a number two haircut the whole time. Leave it grow and, let the, you know, let, 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 leave something there for them because it does make a difference. And, uh, you know, those that small little thing that you're saying there, mm. if everybody does that, that has a huge knock-on effect.
6: Yeah. I, I know the, the, the thing you did out, out on the power of the Do you know what people are afraid of, Tom? And maybe it's an urban myth and we can kind of address it. That if these little gardens are left there, and like you said, they're very pretty, and thousands of that if you go near them you'll be stung alive people are afraid but PJ, of that
10: no but you only thing think of pj you know the beehives that are on Pulafone yes they're Machia really Oh yeah, oh they're muckia, uh, as you'd say in Cork. I'm sure, so, I'm sure Regino would be very proud of me. Um, <laughs> they're muckia. Uh, they're they're not hives. I see. They're only there as as to, to highlight the importance of it. We wouldn't plant or put a, a, a beehive on those areas or close to where there would be um, people passing. It'd be too dangerous. I see. So where those are only there for for decorative purposes. Ah, I see. And where's your orchard, by the way? Our orchard is at the, it's, it's, if you go along where Tesco is and in mm-hmm. behind Tesco, there's an area of a, a very, it's an, an area that won't be built on, thankfully. And we have, there's large trees in there and we're putting it in there. It's going between the back of Tesco's down to the old Fort Road. It's a, 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 we had a consultant out there recently and she described it as an oasis of biodiversity.
6: Gotcha. All right, Tom. Thanks. Uh, Tom Butler from Bell and Colleague Tidy Towns. They've got that little orchard for the bees, part of the Thousand Orchard Initiative. And I can't remember who it was. Someone who teaches kids in class about bees said to me a couple of years ago, look, when the garden starts to flourish in spring and the dandelions and the daisies and the buttercups are there in the spring sunshine, let them there. Even if you only let them there for a week or two, you'll feed hundreds if not thousands of creatures uh, and then you can cut your grass if you want to, but just let it there maybe don't cut it until the end of March or maybe don't cut it until just before Easter uh, because they, the, the, the insects will use those little wildflowers to feed 0818969696 got a few suggestions for jam buns I kind of was only messing but I'm glad that some people have taken it seriously what's the Ideal filling for a jam. I'll give you a jam bomb. Anthony, you want in it? Anthony, you want in it? What would you be into a jam bomb? Come here. It's another great thing that we love to support. It's Corks uh, 96 I'm proudly supporting the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day. There's another beautiful sign of spring. There are daffodils everywhere. And the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day is on March 25th. Daffodils available from any of the volunteers. And you can help fund free cancer support services and life-changing cancer research. And if you'd like to take part or donate, you can help out by doing so. Cancer.ie. Uh, daffodils. They're just such a sign of spring. And another sign, I must I must get it sorted this week. Uh, I must get some little pots and put down my sunflowers. I love sunflowers. I must put my sunflowers down. You put them in the kitchen, along the kitchen window first, and then when they sprout. Since when did this be a gardening show? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety-six. Right. Um a jambon with egg and bacon and a little brown sauce, says Kate.
2: Yeah?
8: Yeah.
6: Uh, Bacon and cabbage jambon. Okay. Turkey and stuffing. Sunday treat. Oh, chorizo and parmesan. Basically, sausage and grated cheese. Is what that is. Goat's cheese and sun-dried tomato. Yes. There you go. What would be your ideal, ideal jambon, if you could have it? Ah, here, Mary. Black pudding and stewed apple. In the same jambon. Oh, come here, Mary, it's only Monday. We wouldn't be that adventurous at... Black pudding and stewed apple. This leads me to assume, Mary, that you've already had black pudding and stewed apple in a plate. You've actually eaten black pudding and stewed apple as a combination. Sweetest Lord, I pray for you. <laughs> 0-8-1-8-96-96-96. Last week was Women in Sports Week, and while Women in Sports Week was on, Olivia Keating, who I think we I think we talked before on the program, Olivia, okay. you were doing something utterly mad in the coldest part of the world. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, PJ. How are you?
1: Good. Good.
6: You and I talked before. Uh, You were doing an ultramarathon in one (laughs) of the coldest places in the world. Tell me more.
1: (laughs) I was. um, It was um, an ultramarathon over in the Arctic Circle. So um, just a little bit north of Lapland, um, just on the the Swedish side. Um, And it was a five-day event. It was self-sufficient, so you had to carry all your food, your water, um, all your clothing, your equipment. Um, the only allowance you got was your sleeping bag. They they took that for you in the evening. Um, and the first day was about fifty k. The second day was probably about, I think forty five then 43k and then I did 60 on the fourth oh. day and then 15 on the last
6: <laughs> the question <laughs> so is yes, why?
1: <laughs> what? what
6: possessed you to do that to yourself for five days
1: <laughs> um, well I had signed up for years ago I had I'd uh, back in 2015 I ran across the Amazon jungle in a similar race And so I kind of got the bug for it then. And then I had signed up for the Arctic, but I had the accident. Um, So that put me um, back a little bit. And I suppose it was something I never thought I'd be able to do again. And I just kept pushing. And I suppose that kind of gave me incentive to train, it gave me, you know, to do my physio, to do, you know, to keep going basically. Um, So it was always at the back of my mind. And I just said, you know what, now, I had no idea whether I was going to be able to complete it or not so I just went out there and just gave it a go
6: To remind you know, people again um, about the accident like you had a horrific um, bike accident on your bike and you had to learn to walk again
1: like. Yeah, like I, I had to use kind of walking frames I couldn't use a wheelchair because my arm was so badly damaged I couldn't push it so um, I had to kind of use type, like it was a crutch lean to crutch I was on a walking stick I think probably for about two, three years and um, so like it, it was like they, they they knew I'd probably walk but they didn't know if I'd be able to walk unaided. Yeah. Um and I had to just keep that battle up. Um so between that and my arm and my shoulder and my back <laughs> and then the brain injury on top of it. Yeah. Um it was a bit of a challenge. Um but you know, I just said, okay, one thing at a time. So I just kept focusing on one thing and any of the muscles that I couldn't regain back and um, that I couldn't use again. Um I tried everything and I worked with great physios and consultants. And when I couldn't get them working, I said, okay, fair enough. Just get the other ones working better. Hmm. So what I did then was got everything else working, you know, as best I could. Yeah. So
6: so how emotional was it then to be out there in darkest, coldest Lapland it was, do, and it thinking, was, I can know, do this?
1: Oh, God, it was amazing. Um, like, I'm still smiling. I won't lie to you. I, I still can't stop smiling. I can't believe I actually managed to do it. Yeah. Um, It was one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Um, And there was two occasions where I kind of teared up a bit, but (laughs) my eyes started freezing together. So (laughs) I decided best not to cry anymore. Yeah, it was that cold. Um, The warmest day was, we had one hour where it was minus five to minus 10. And I remember I I managed to take my gloves off. I had three pairs of gloves on. Um, And it was just, you know, like two evenings, it went to minus 34 one evening and minus 38 another evening. Um, and it was horrendous like everything froze I couldn't see anything I was just walking in the hope I was going in the right direction because I, I lost the trail and um, mm. the wind had swept over it so you, the, hey. the trail that they had made with snow bikes was gone um, so there was me and two other men out there at that time right. and I could see a light ahead and a light behind so I was like okay we're still together I had no idea how far we were apart but I could see you know a light somewhere in the distance and right. um, and then we had part of the race. Organisers they had Sammy herdsman um, working um, throughout the race. So then they started coming up when they realised it was after getting so bad, they literally had to go up between the three of us on snow bikes and just keep going up and down and up and down. So we were going in the right direction, um, but it was after, like it was <laughs> it was like it was horrendous. You know, it was. And people say, oh, it's a different cold. Yeah, it was It was Baltic. It was absolutely freezing.
6: Yeah, I mean, how do you sleep? And oh. you, you had to pitch a tent. How do you sleep in that?
1: Um, no, they, they had all that done for us. So the first night we were in teepees, sleeping on the snow. So we literally had reindeer skin and we were sleeping on top of the snow. Um, I'd say I probably got about like three hours sleep that night. Um, and then the other two nights, then we were in like very small cabins. There was about four of us in together. And then the last two nights, like we were sleeping on a floor, and all of us huddled together, and just like on a concrete floor. Um, So like I think from the start of the race to the finish, I probably had about 12 hours sleep. And I was I was out there last. I wasn't a like a major competitor. I was just you know somebody out there seeing could I do it. Yes. So I was definitely one of the last in every evening. There was probably about three of us all in around the same time. And so by the time I got in every evening, I literally sat down the medics. Started attacking my feet because they were so destroyed. Yeah. They started plastering them up and bandaging them up, and while they were doing that, I was eating my dinner, and then I literally put my head down and tried to sleep. Right. You, you know. And your, the, your feet was, got
6: very sore, did they?
1: They did. Um. I, I think it was just all the excitement and everything the first morning. I was I just forgot to take them, and I knew, like I was wearing a pair of boots, two pairs of socks, and snowshoes, so I knew them. Um, I knew they'd start rubbing off my ankles. So. Right. I had it all prepared but I just I just forgot to do it so about 20 kilometers in my left leg was really feeling bad so I, I stopped at one of the, the checkpoints and one of the medics just kind of start putting like a compede on it straight away and um, and then by the time I finished the two of them were just destroyed so I you know just got the medics to wrap them up best they could and just went out there and had to try and just deal with it, and um, it was quite painful. Like I mm. won't lie to you, it meant that I couldn't really run. And um, after kind of day one, I was only able to kind of maybe jog up to maybe five k per day. Nice. The majority of it was walking, marching.
13: <laughs> anyway, you're,
1: I could get through it really.
6: You're some woman. Um, for one woman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: honest, yeah. I like a bit of pain, PJ. <laughs> oh, stop. Well, you
6: were you were used to that after, and an, an, I mean, but what next you've done what 40 marathons at this stage what what next or is yeah. this is that is this as, is this as much oh, as you'll God, do now I
1: mean, no because i think to be honest with you, i didn't think i'd be able to do it so i didn't do it for charity i didn't i was too worried i'd disappoint anybody so i was going mad over that but now i have the confidence knowing that i can do it and um, so i'm signed up for the desert in november um, the, I'm going to give that a bash. The desert. Um, yeah. Tell me more. Um, I tell have me. skin cancer at the moment, so that's going to be a bit of a challenge again. Right. Um, just to try and keep covered up. Um, I have Crohn's disease, so in the heat, that's potentially going to impact me. So, okay. do you know what? Now I could sit there and wonder, or I could just get out there and just give it a go. D-
6: tell uh, me about the uh, desert, uh, though. What, what challenge is that? It's you an-
1: it's um, 250 kilometers across the um, Nimivian desert. Um, so again, like what I'm going to get to see out there, like you get to see the most beautiful places in the world. So I'm incredibly lucky to be able to, to do these races. Um, and again, would we'll be self-sufficient. They'll have little camps for us every night. Um, but we'll have to carry everything, sleeping bags, clothes, food, med kits. You, you, you've, you've certain kind of safety kits that you have to have with you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and with me because I need to try and <laughs> like me and Mr. Sunshine don't really get on anymore so mm. I just need to try and cover up best right. I can
6: this is a, this it really is a case though isn't it Olivia of because I can
1: yeah absolutely absolutely you know I've had so many great doctors and medical teams and hospitals work to put me back together and um, to keep me going and I suppose I'm just trying to show them how grateful I am and how happy I am that I can still do it all right
6: this is good for you! Congratulations on the achievement uh, in the in the in the uh, the Arctic and uh, onwards and upwards to the next challenge, Olivia Keating. Superwoman is probably the best way to describe her. She had to learn to walk again after that awful bike crash uh, a number of years ago. We spoke to her about that before. So she's done this ultramarathon. marathon. She's signed up for one in the desert towards the end of the year. Good on you, Olivia! Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right. Do you remember Friday? I was talking to uh, Catherine, and her daughter had moved in with her. Her daughter and her children, her ch- daughter's children, had moved in with her because of antisocial behaviour from one individual in their um, place of residence, as it were. They were council tenants. The Pretorius said they've had to move out of their house because, well you know why anti-social behaviour we got a statement in from Cork City Council and thank you Shane who signed the statement thank you for your email uh, we sent them off the details of what had been claimed in relation to your query Cork City Council is bound by the provisions of the Data Protection Act fine and so can't discuss individual cases in an open forum Park City Council can, however, confirm it investigates all complaints of antisocial behavior and operates as landlord in the context of the provisions of the Housing Act, which provides a mechanism for issuing warnings to tenants where it's been shown and can be proved that antisocial behavior has occurred. As incidents of antisocial behavior can have a criminal element, the council advises the person who may have such concerns report them directly to Sheikh Shikona. Well, that has certainly been done. Cork City Council will follow up specifically on the case highlighted and aggrieved parties may contact our service desk to provide their reports. And they give a number for that, 021 492 4000. But that's the response. Um, I saw a notice for buggies and car seat collection for Ukrainian families arriving into Ireland. I was wondering if there's anything similar happening in Cork. Well, if there is, we'll find out. Cheese and onion... Jambon. Thanks, Marcella. I still don't think that's the Jambon. That is the that's the one that makes me seriously worry about a caller's (laughs) state of mind when they say black pudding and stewed apple in a jambon. Good God. Finbar, this is an idea. Good morning. Good morning, TJ. How you doing? Good. You're trying to form a couple of soccer teams, but specific kinds of soccer teams.
20: That's correct. Uh, six aside for the uh, generously proportioned men. Generously proportioned. Exactly. Uh, right. <laughs> Where did the idea come uh, from? Um, well, I had it kind of before COVID, and then COVID happened, and then a baby happened, and then this year I said... Let's do it. <clears throat> Let's do it. So, like, I myself think it's a great idea. I'm, I'm finding it hard to get numbers. Um, everyone must have got super fit there over the last two years. Yeah. But um, it, it'll be a bit of fun, yeah. you know? And, like, people won't kind of feel, um, you know, hard on themselves while they're playing. They'll be able to play away, and it'll be a crack, a bit of crack, and uh, it'll be, um, how would you say, a, a safe place for yeah. the, uh, the heavier gent. This, this
6: is for the fella who would love to play a game with his mates, but he's got, he's got a, a tire, and he he, the, the lads have no tire, and he's afraid of making a, a an idiot of
20: himself. Exactly, and there's plenty of them out there. Yeah. I know there is. I know there is. They, they just need to come out and say, "Finn, this is a great idea. Let's have a kickabout." Yeah, and you're calling it the fat man's aside... And yes. You. <laughs> well, uh, honesty is the best policy. Indeed, you know it I mean? is. In- indeed. You it is. And you just and, uh,
6: want to try and get a couple of teams together for a match.
20: I, I need ten more, ten more bodies is what I need. Any age doesn't matter. Any ability—you you could be the, uh, you could be the heavy, heavy pele or um, an absolute donkey. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It'll just be great. It'll be great crack. It would get everybody moving. Bit of fun, bit of a social life, Right. and look, you know, with the price of petrol and the price of points and everything else, a game kidding? of ball isn't the worst thing to spend a couple of hours. It sure isn't. It sure isn't.
6: And where do you want to? Where do you want to have the game, or have you got a venue or anything? Are you are you that organised <clears throat> yet?
20: I'm not that organised yet, but like you'd, you'd get a pitch in Nemo or a pitch in BlackRock or whatever for a five or five six year old men every week, you know. So it wouldn't break the bank either.
6: Right. Okay, Finbar, if you want to, if if well. If we can help you, if anyone wants to play in that um, game and they feel a bit, shall we say, generously proportioned, they can exactly. We can put you in touch and we we'll see where it goes.
20: We we'll see where it goes. Uh, it'll be great. It'll be, I look even if they contact you and give up my number. There's no problem there. Okay. Do you okay. Know? <laughs> I loved where you say got great vision but no pace. <laughs> Afraid well, this <laughs> this was me. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like a heavy sedan. Do you know what I mean? <laughs>
6: Yeah, yeah, or around Ronaldo.
20: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like it'll be great fun, and like I know there, there's plenty of us in Cork who want to play football like that, and it will be great fun. It will be great crack. But I just need people to come forward and say, Do you know what, I want to play a game. It'll be brilliant. It'll be great right. fun. All
6: right, all right. I think I think yeah. Here's
20: look. Here's someone. here.
6: i mean I'm in. I mean, as long as we can go for chips afterwards," says this. Ph- <laughs> 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 Might defeat the purpose, but who cares? Finbar, if anyone wants to join you, uh, we'll get a, they, they'll get a pitch um, for a few men, and they just want to play six aside, six aside soccer for fellas who are a small bit bigger. Uh, fat man, six aside, Finbar, you're a gas character. We'll see. Yeah, and uh, maybe he'd have a few. Um, I still can't get the idea of a black pudding and stewed apple jambon out of my mind. So much so I'm half tempted to try one. Or am I? No, I'm not. I'm not that bad. Right, that's it. The programme edited by Fiona Carken, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we'll see you tomorrow
4: just after nine.
14: Can we just talk?
4: Opinion line on Corks 96 FM
2: with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum.